Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Tracks Edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. It's uh, an elementary course. We're teaching 101 today. It's um, how to not get back to the Alpha Quadrant 101. <clears throat> oh, because it's week 101. It's week 101. We're doing it. Well, now I can't name sports guys. There are no sports guys whose numbers are 101. Uh... Tough. No. Do, I mean, like, if you, NASCAR have any three-digit teams? It seems like they oughta. I don't remember any three-digit NASCARs, and, like, I don't know, It's there's probably been a three-digit number on somebody's bib, like, who was a, a In, track athlete or something, but that don't count. Yeah, exactly. In college football, they solve the problem by just saying, you can use the same number, who cares? If <laughs> six guys wear number 18, I don't give a fuck. None of this counts. You can have them all in the field at the same time. What difference does it make? His week 101, which means only 75 to go after this. Hell yeah. Um, so, you know, we're on that home stretch. <laughs> I wish it was 750 more. I want to do this until I'm dead. Uh, I mean, there's a the chance of me dying before we finish this is not zero. <laughs> no, anything could happen. It's not, it's not a large chance, but it's not zero. Anything could happen, and every time we say something like this... If it really happens, then when I go back and listen to these, I'll go, oh, boy. Ah, but not if it happens to you, because I'm no. not going to listen to them. That's right. No one will ever know. No one will listen to them. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, here's how this project works. Uh, we talked about these same three series last week. We had Ben on. You guys remember? Yeah, Butter Ben. Uh, and, you know, we had a first and a second and a third place finisher last week, and we're going to talk about him, but not in that. We're going to talk about him in third, second, first. That's that way, you know, that way where, um, there's a whole algorithm. I forget why we, on, to be honest, I don't know why we did that. There's, we were just sick of always starting with, uh, TOS and TNG and then yeah, just for not variety. having any energy left to talk about the bad ones. Yes. I think what it was, was we were kept getting to enterprise and just being like ripping through it in 19 minutes and going, well, that sucked. Yeah. And just moving on. <laughs> so, yeah, just uh, mix it up a little bit. So, as it transpires, last week the worst finishing episode was Voyager. Of rare it had been, the last time that happened was week 92. So, actually, they had quite a run mm -hmm. of not being last. Did they win any in that? Yes, one. Mm -hmm. But it was Voyager. So, this week we're talking about nothing human. Yeah. The only choice. Honestly, I want to tell you, Matt, that I briefly considered just making a loop of him going, yeah, for about 40 <laughs> or 45 seconds, because there's no chord change. You could make an absolutely perfect loop there. Uh -huh. It wouldn't be an issue at all. I just didn't want to fuss with it, frankly. I don't blame you. But when you said nothing human, I started to do the beat to that song in my head. 
So then when it started to play, I was a little bit freaked out for a second. I was like, did I make that it happen? Does, it does seem like the only choice, but I did first look through my library for every song that contained either the word nothing or the word human. Mm. Um, it turns out more human than human is not a song that was in my collection. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised I, by that. I took the issue to Katie and I said, what's a good song to play for nothing human? And she said, more human than human and i said oh yeah that you're right that's the one all three of us on the same page then we had a discussion about how old we thought rob zombie probably was mm. um he was born in the year 1965 if you're curious wow matthew schmollis is boring the whole crew with a slideshow of his moments of heroism yeah in a holodeck, and they refer to it as a hollow presentation, but within the holodeck, there's just a big screen behind him with 2D still images. Yep, it's so, a holographic slideshow for some reason. It's a slideshow. It's, yeah, a, it's just this was the best theater space they had on the ship. I'd say it was about two-thirds as good as the slideshow that happened when um, when Archer and uh, what's-his-name, when they finished their time adventure together, and the, the time, time was kind enough to play a slideshow of time behind them. <sighs> You know, the guy. Daniels? Daniels. I never remember his name. <laughs> when he and Daniels finished the Cold War and yeah, they, they put went a to Daniels' shitty office that's all screens. And it literally was just time playing a slideshow behind them. And he was like, oh, it's just time taking a minute to work itself out. And I was like, what right. are they doing? <laughs> There's an old West guy out there. What is it? Well, it's a big picture of him. Um, Basically, at this point, there's very little difference between the characters of the Doctor, no name, don't worry about it, and Arnold Rimmer. (laughs) I mean, that is definitely a Red Dwarf plot, for sure. Like, for sure, this is the scene where they're all down looking at his skiing holiday, no, his, uh, his, his trip through the engine decks of Red Dwarf. Yeah. And then it turns out to be the episode Time Slides. Where they and, can go in the uh, photos and stuff. Right. And uh, and then it's like that episode of Family Guy that I watched last night where Urkel invented a time machine and Carl Winslow used it to make himself super rich. But as it turned out, Harriet was divorcing him, so he had to go back to the regular part. Uh, is that... Is that... Because you said me an mm. Urkel thing yesterday. Was that that Urkel thing? Oh, that was from a different episode. But... Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, usually we just leave it on the Olympic channel, but someone hit a button or something. <laughs> and so after we, we watched a, a Forged in Fire last night, uh-huh. and after it was over, it was just like a fucking Family Guy marathon all night. Yeah. Um, and Katie, I don't think, either didn't watch much of it growing up or had forgotten all of it because there's one where... Uh, Laura and her friends, whose name I don't remember, hmm. have to enter the mist downtown Chicago sure. pageant. And you know who else is in that pageant, Matthew? And who sabotages it to try to win to win Eddie's heart? Myrtle Urkel? That's Myrtle Urkel. <laughs> and when Myrtle Urkel came on the screen, Katie goes, is this a different female character played by Jaleel White? Yes, it is. And I said, yeah, that's his cousin. Uh, and then I just said, I just, like went into the deepest, most horrible part of my mind and then said, <laughs> Myrtle. That's exactly what I just did. <laughs> yep. 
Like, I really had to channel the, all the worst parts of my childhood <laughs> to come up with the name. And if I just waited 30 seconds, someone would have said it. Sure. But the, whatever whatever this marathon was, it was not in any kind of fucking order because it was like nerdy-ass Steve Urkel. Uh-huh. And then... And then we saw one with Myrtle Urkel, and then we saw one with Stefan Urkel, Obviously. a Valentine's Day special with Stefan Urkel. And I'm like, I don't know, man. This is from three different points in the timeline for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, but did you see the one where he turns Carl into a race car and races him around the Indy 500? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you well, when Katie said, who asked for this? I said, did you see, <laughs> you remember the Key and Peele sketch about how Julia White has basically ran the whole network? It just must have been true. It was really true because I told you he appeared in episode two of Step by Step and solved everyone's problems. It was just the Urkel episode. And you told me he gave a, he did a shout out to fucking. Yeah, well, yeah, in a fucking unrelated trailer at the end of one of those episodes, Steve Urkel just busted in on Laura and said, somebody finally sent me a letter. And it, she said, this is a chain letter and don't send it to me. And he said, I'll send it to my friend Corey Matthews in Philadelphia. <laughs> great. Really great work by them. Hey, we've already gone farther off track right, than sorry. I think we ever I, have in a Star Trek episode. I'm not even a full sentence into my description <laughs> no. of Voyager, by the way. It's gonna be a long uh, one. So everybody. he's doing so the doctor's doing a boring slideshow and then we cut to the bridge and Harry Kim reminds Chakotay that the captain ordered him to get them out of that fucking thing after half an hour but he's a real dipshit about it and he's like nah we had to sit through the whole two hours they got to sit through the whole two hours yeah he's feeling real when I sit in this chair I make the decisions he's feeling real pranky up there <laughs> um, after the thing ends everybody goes to the fucking uh, galley to talk shit about Schmollis, Um, because they're not any better than him no. Um, but Voyager starts shaking like crazy because there's some kind of Praxis-style energy wave coming. Oh, don't tell me that's any meteor shower, bro. Uh, exactly. Um, Voyager can't get out of the way, and it gets hit amidships, but it doesn't really damage the ship very much. And on the way by, uh, Harry Kim like snags a, a weird recording in the middle of it. So is he just constantly recording it was nothing space? and just it like... was for nothing like this was how they got to the bridge they couldn't just have harry kim call down and say we're picking up a distress call they had to do a special effect and shake the ship for absolutely no reason is he oh does he always just have audio tonic open just like <laughs> just checking on the levels like why why did he pick that up uh, what is this listen the Okay, I mean, I guess we could talk about it for a full hour later, but (laughs) later in this episode, Tuvok just hears these aliens talking. Yeah. While they're in warp on the way there, about he only only leaves about 10 seconds before everyone else does, and then they all hear it, and it seems like it must not be coming through speakers or anything they can turn off. It's just like in their heads and shit. So it's some kind of dumb screeching, and... um, They talk about how they want to try and decrypt it, but they also just start heading for wherever it came from. And when they get there, there's a wrecked up ship that I thought looked a little bit like a Voth ship, but it wasn't. It wasn't them. They bring this non-human alien aboard. It's like a pretty gross little brain crab thing. Uh, It looks like a big rubber bug. Yeah, it's a big rubber bug, Mm -hmm. which is also how I warm up my voice before we podcast. Big rubber bug. Big rubber bug. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
and jumps right through their confinement field and latches onto Balana. Um, remind me again, did Balana have a pretty good time <laughs> last week? <laughs> she doesn't usually have a very good time. Okay. She's really been a punching bag in season five, I think. Yeah. She got bit a little bit and sexually harassed by Seven last week. and Yes, exactly. And uh, a couple of weeks before that, the doctor was fucking peeping on her in the shower. Yeah, and she did uh, uh, She did die on Voyager in Timeless. So, Yeah, yep, yep, died on Voyager. So, you know, it ain't been great. Yep. Um, it latches on to her. Uh, it pierces her neck. It paralyzes her. Schmollis can't remove it without killing her, without taking out her whole brain with it or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, for reasons. Uh, Janeway has a bright idea. She just starts spouting this off in the middle of sick bay. What if they make a new holographic exobiology expert made up of all of Voyager's exobiology files that Schmollis can already access mm. if he wants to? This is sort of the but what if they the big problem with the entire episode. What if they incarnated this knowledge mm. in the form of a person? Yeah. Uh, by the way, Harry Kim can do that. A real Leah Brahms situation. It's like she didn't want to say, hey, guys, can we just Leah Brahms it? Should we Leah Brahms it? Do you remember Leah Brahms? Do you Jordy. remember the legend of the pervert <laughs> and Leah Brahms? Jordy couldn't just think of the Enterprise uh, engine core layout in his brain because he's not a hologram yes. in the computer. Um, so he needed a friend who was. Yes. A hologram in the computer? How come we didn't uh, say, computer, can you be my friend? It's, uh, <laughs> I think that's what he always uh, needed. Anyway, Schmolz doesn't seem to think this will work until we smash cut to the next scene where he's walking down the hall with Harry Kim and he's fucking all in on this. Like, he's smiling and he's got a real, uh, he's got a real, yeah, I don't know, verve. Well, uh, Blon Torres is just dying in sick bay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's picked out who he wants this thing to look like. This is the Cardassian exobiologist, Krell Moset. Mm. So this dude shows up. Um, the two of them go to sick bay and they start getting to work. Uh, we have a n another nothing scene where Janeway and Chicote start to look at the transmission to decode it. Don't worry about it. Fucking don't. Then they send uh, Seven down to decode the alien database. Don't worry about that. The Not thing explodes. Important. This is two wasted minutes. Yeah. It has nothing to do with anything. Um, and then we cut to some Bajoran guy we've never seen in engineering. Uh-huh. And he is shitty to Seven of Nine, I think, on Bellana's behalf. Yep. He's just doing what the I think boss it's would explicit. want. Like he even starts to tell her, "Well, Bellana doesn't like you, so I'm not gonna like you." Yep. And then, she, but she she knows. She just cuts him off, and she's like, "I get it." Eat shit. <laughs> uh, so this dude sucks, um, but he has lines and a, a name and everything. So this isn't his only scene. Mm. Um, uh, Krell and Schmollis, uh decide um, that everybody fucking loved. What was the actual name of the episode with Hollow Leo Brahms? Uh, booby trap. No, booby uh, trap. Booby trap. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so they set off to recreate this dude's laboratory 
in the holodeck because he's got the equipment. He has equipment in his lab. <laughs> if the computer can make the equipment in the holodeck. Why do you need a sick bay? I guess in case the hollow systems go offline, but I guess you just make sure they don't, I guess. I don't know. Well, why can't they just make the equipment in sick bay? Yeah. Well, I mean, they do. First of all, do you know what? Do you know what there is in sick bay? Mad hollow emitters. Yeah, because we could tell because not only does the doctor live there, but they beam both of them there a couple times uh-huh. during the episode. So, uh huh. Yep. Anyway, they go to build this guy's lab, uh, and uh, while they while they go walk off to talk about that, uh, that gives Bolana a moment to talk about the elephant in the room. Half this ship hates Cardassians. I know everyone forgot. Even f- but. Even four fucking years into their trek through the Delta Quadrant, yeah. just the thought of a Cardassian is making these guys red hot and pretty racist. Well, look, man, nothing changed when they got to this side of the wormhole. They've met one Cardassian here. It was Seska, and they hated her. Oh, Seska sucked. Yeah. And also there was a mad, I think there was a pretty bad Cardassian torpedo, right? Am <laughs> I right, right about that? <laughs> that, she, that, that there was a mean Cardassian torpedo? That she had captured and reprogrammed as a Maquis and was now yeah. about to blow up some planet. So, you know, yeah, I don't blame them. No, nothing's changed for them. Anyway, Bolana hates Cardassians. In the t- holodeck, these two guys start talking about the real chromo sets. Great work on Bajor during the occupation. Mm-hmm. Saving lives and improvising and how it's not about recognition and fame. All Frontier the medicine. Medals. Yeah, and then they uh, get to work on a, a recreation of this alien to try and figure out, you know, what makes it tick, how to get get it off of uh, fucking Bolana or whatever. Mm. Uh, and the Cardassian doctor like is right away talking about how they'll definitely have to kill this creature and they have to, you know, you got to prioritize saving Bolana and you got to break a bunch of eggs and shit. So, right. you know, they're all in on that. Uh, Janeway, meanwhile, has just said, you know what? Let's just resend that distress call back out. The one we got, mm. let's just fucking pipe it all channels, all frequencies, all directions. I mean, everyone and, already uh, hates maybe us one in of this these other of space, so like, it won't bother anyone <laughs> especially. It's fine. Yeah, they'll just be like, ah, uh, what's happening? What, what's that horrible screech? <laughs> We've detected the oh, screech. Oh, it's coming from, oh, is it coming from Voyager? Yes. All right. We've detected the origin of the screech. It's coming from those fuckbags, Voyager. They're like kind of the main assholes around here, but they're going away from us right now. Oh, so I remember like, them. We just like, ugh. Their piracy is legendary. Uh, Something goes wrong with the power Mm. and the Cardassian doctor goes offline or no. I think Harry Kim said, uh, I don't know how to build holograms too good. Remember when I tried to do rebuild you you. and it didn't work. I definitely have Uh, notes about that. (laughs) Anyway, I got this guy going, but like you, you you know what? If he gets, starts to get glitchy or whatever, just turn him off and we'll reinitialize him. So he goes offline and, uh, at this point, Bolana tells Shmolis, you know what? Leave that leave that idiot off. I don't want that Cardassian working on me. But, you know, that's just racism. So he says, you're a bigot. This is racism. This is nothing. They turn him back online. But meanwhile, that Bajoran guy that we saw has walked in. Yeah. Uh, this guy's name is Tabor. Yep. And it turns out that this Cardassian doctor that they have recreated, the, I mean, the real one, though, when he was on Bajor during the occupation, was a real fucking Mangala type. That's exactly what they're going for, a Mangala type. That's what he was. 
Yeah, he was doing all kinds of grotesque human experiments in his hospital and killing all kinds of people. He, honestly, this guy's killed most of Tabor's family, mm-hmm. so that was pretty unlucky. That would be upsetting to you. I mean, the, the odds were pretty slim that the, the guy whose family he butchered was going to end was up on this on Voyager. Sh- ship oh. in the Delta Quadrant. That's, yeah, that's a weird one. So, now Voyager's got this problem. The Doctor's new best friend is a recreation of Cardassian Joseph Mengele. Yeah. What do we do about it? So what we do about it is we have a meeting in Chakotay's office. Okay. I didn't know he had one. Maybe it's his quarters. I'm not sure where they have this meeting. That's a good question. You're right. Gwen Chaka was trying to talk Tabor out of doing anything about it. Yes. Uh, in, In this meeting... Tabor says, I want that guy turned off and I want all uh, uh, any research from that we have in our database that came from him deleted. Uh, also, someone has told Bolana about this guy and she tells Smullis, I will not let him treat treat me. You'll have to do it another way. You can't even use his research to treat me. Yeah. So on the one hand, we have uh, a pretty unreasonable demand about deleting medical data from the database from a guy who Definitely experienced a lot of trauma at this man's hands. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, we have an explicit medical directive (laughs) from a patient about her treatment. Yes. Um, And for some reason, (laughs) while this has been going on, Harry Kim and Seven of Nine have been in engineering looking through the records to try and see if there is any evidence that the real Krell Moset, who I remind you yeah. is not on the ship. Yeah. May or may not have committed atrocities during the Cardassian occupation. Yep. That to somebody that seemed like a, a profitable use of time. So profitable that you sent, uh, I guess you're two ranking engineering people outside of Balana. That's right. And and uh, presumably Tabor, he's the only other engineer who has a name on the ship at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we ain't seen Vorik in a while. Uh but he's up he's up dealing with Chicote. Yeah. So, so someone has been having them do this and uh yeah, whoops, there's probably some evidence. Like there's some fishy stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh <sighs> Seven also, at some point in this, uh, calls uh, Schmollis, I think it's Schmollis, that she accuses of hypocrisy hmm. for not treating Krell Moset the way everybody treats the Borg when they talk about Borg oh, atrocities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I must again remind you, <laughs> they do not have Krell Moset on board the ship. No, they seem to have just done a computer whoopsie again where they said, just make a personality around all this data. It's okay if you make it look like the guy whose data it is. Right. That's it. Uh, so Schmollis goes down to the holodeck to, I guess, accuse a hologram of Kromoset's crimes. <laughs> and the two of them have a little conversation about medical ethics. Moset says most medical knowledge comes from research that probably would no longer be considered ethical. If you throw it all out, what are you going to have left? Um Voyager's computer. Tabor right? has tried to resign his commission. The senior staff reconvenes to put the whole thing on trial. TP thinks they got to save Bolana's life no matter what. Everyone else thinks it's a shitty idea. Yeah. Like, 
Tuvok says, listen, uh, her point of view is pretty logical on this. Also, she's explicitly said she doesn't want this treatment. Uh, but this is Janeway's ship. And she says that it makes lot. it Janeway's fucking decision. Mm-hmm. And she uh, says, yeah, I don't care. Use 10 holograms of Krell Moset. Who gives a <laughs> shit? <laughs> you ha- have one treat her and have the other nine kill Tabor's family again in hologram form. I don't care. <laughs> so, I think she also says, it's my ship, Will. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. So uh, this is where we cut to the bridge and Tuvok can suddenly hear high-pitched screeching again. Mm -hmm. Then everyone can. Then a vessel pops in. It's identical to the one that blew up. Janeway tries to talk to it, but they they haven't figured out their language. There's a whole fucking episode about it this week, and it's much better. Uh, Back in the holodeck, uh, Kromosad and Shmolis are trying to remove the creature. I think from Bolana now, I think they've beamed her to the holodeck. Yep, she I thought that they there. were practicing. The for the first 40 seconds, I thought they were practicing the operation, but I think they just moved her to the holodeck. Yeah, they had to move up the timeline on this whole procedure, I think. Yeah. <laughs> things are things are getting tense now. They've got a whole ship fighting and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's some kind of draining beam. It puts an, another clock on the thing that already had a clock that this thing was killing Bolana, but that's fine. <laughs> The two holograms manage to remove it from Bolana, beam the alien to its ship. Like in the uh, in the end, Chromoset uh, does want to kill the creature, and Shmolus has to intervene, and he figures out a way to save them both. Uh, you know, just so that they're just so that we can leave any questions. There's another episode this week where it seems like someone's going to have to make a big sacrifice, but luckily there's a technical solution that allows him to not have to do oh, that. Thank but, goodness. Um, uh, they beam the alien over to its ship. As usual, the ship fucks off. They don't have any questions. No. They don't, as far as they can tell, this ship lured them in with a <laughs> with a fake distress call, and they're in the middle of torturing one of their comrades. <laughs> but they, whatever, they got him back. They're out of there. It's no, dude, everyone's, somebody got, screeched everyone's at them. too busy. Somebody screeched at those guys. Watch out, that's Voyager, and they went, "Oh shit." <laughs> Uh, this is just like last week when they just beamed the fucking uh, vin- viniculum mm. into space. And, uh, and was off. it viniculum? Vinculum? Vinculum. What was it? It was vinculum. Well, they just beamed it into space and then it got like, cool, that's all we wanted. Anyway, uh, the ship leaves. Janeway rolls up to Bolana's quarters where she's recuper- recuperating and tells her to eat shit. <laughs> it's a perfect Janeway scene. It's exactly Janeway. It's Janeway. It's- it's fucking wild. She just rolls up and says, I bet you're mad at me. Well, fucking get over it. By the way, all this Klingon incense that you're burning is stinks like and it's shit. nothing. It smells like shit in here and none of this is anything. Um, I'm Janeway around here. Schmollis then goes Schmollis then goes to the holodeck to tell the hologram. <laughs> That Janeway has left the decision uh, what to do up to him, and he's going to turn him off. Yeah. And as usual with Star Trek and computers, no one explains why they can't just make another one right. with, like, the second best exobiologist or whatever, yeah, you- or even make this guy again if they really needed him. It only took Harry Kim four hours, like... Everyone treats it like this is final. They're turning this guy off. And I guess that's just because it makes it not very dramatic if you remind everyone that they probably have a backup and they can just turn it back on yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Hmm. So, 
without tipping my hand too much about how I felt about this episode, sure. I have described it. Yeah. Perhaps expertly. If Matthew, I, why don't you tell me what this one's about? I was going to say, this is what I was looking for. This is what I was looking for when I was like, Jude is going to have to do Voyager descriptions. Because it's been a long time since you had to describe the tales of these fucking guys. Um, all right. Well, Ben started with a, he gave it a five. He says, is it right to use knowledge bought with innocent blood? He thinks it could also be translated to like blood money or something similar where you have some ill-gotten gains, but I think it works just fine the way it is in this episode. It's a Mangala episode. Right. Uh, same question for me. Can good work come from bad methods and does it matter? Um, it's all, it's a question for me. Everyone seems to agree that the guy was shit and they don't want to use his data because it's going to encourage other people to be shit. I don't know if that tracks, but that's what they say. But then they do use it. So I couldn't give it more than a question. Because <laughs> they just use it and then they all talk about how it's probably bad to do it. Um... But, you know, it's a hot question, I guess. I gave it a six. Um, just the Star Trek writers doing what they what they can every single week to take science down a peg by being like, remember, scientists are all mangalas. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, should we be allowed to benefit from information gained through unethical means? Thanks for the hot question. I have to give it points, but I wish Star Trek writers would stay away from science from now on. Or get some who know science. Well, that would be... Thing. They don't even know how to go about that whole process. How do what does no, anyone know science? What do we do? They're not gonna let some scientists into that writer's room <laughs> stinking it up with Klingon incense or whatever. <laughs> Talk about bullshit. Well, what did you think? Uh no, I mean it's a six for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh the <laughs> uh and I, in fact I even think that they landed on an issue, uh, a take here. I think that they're they're coming out at the end and saying knowledge obtained unethically is unethical to use. Okay. And it's a, by the way, that's a big swing on a pretty nuanced issue. Yes. And it's probably farther than most people are willing to go. But I think that that's where the episode lands. Yes, Janeway has the procedure done anyway, but last week she gave up a WMD. So (laughs) I don't think she's the moral center of this show. She isn't. She definitely isn't. Again, everything she does in this episode is just perfectly in line with the shitty character they've created. And by the way, I'm not sold on this take. But um, I definitely do see the Star Trek angle. It is this definitely the kind of thing where you have two choices, right? As we said, the Mangala is a clear uh, real world example. Mm -hmm. We'll talk later about why it's not a great example. Sure. Uh, But like, so you have the choice of either bringing up some real fucking bummers from actual history or doing it way out in sci-fi. Yes. To allow you to address the issue in a straightforward way without having to engage all of those feelings. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, the, the take part is not the problem with this episode for me. Uh, it's a six. Agreed. What about execution? Yeah, well, come on with this execution. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you take a serious adult question. Like... You know, a, a, an episode that deserves serious treatment, an idea that deserves serious treatment, and then you do the clown shoes version of it. Well, they can't help that. That's all they got. And you by by having a Mengele hologram walking around the ship, and he's charming, and he's the doctor's friend, and what's to be done? Yeah. 
how about change the hologram? Yeah, just make it doesn't him have a, to be all or nothing here. Make him the famous Gorn fucking scientist, fucking Garg or whatever, and then everyone will be make fine. Him, just make him Andy Dick again, but this time he knows about medicine. <laughs> or just make him Shmulas knowing about the stuff that's already in all the files. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. To me, that was the ultimate uh, fuck you of this episode, was just that they felt like they needed another hologram for this business, when, why? Uh-huh. Why would you need to do that? Why? It's so they could put Joseph Mengele on trial mm-hmm. in 1995. Yep. Uh, and, or maybe 97 even by this point. Well, here's another f- huge fuck you. There's a kind of disturbing undercurrent where everyone is racist about him before they learn he's a monster. Yep. And then all of that racism is suddenly justified. That's correct. Also, Tabor is shown to be kind of a fucking dick in the beginning. Um, but yep. then, you know, the trauma. Uh, it's uh, honestly, it's it's kind of a fuck you on the same scale as when you we went to that future where the doctor had to defend Voyager <laughs> against all of those. Let's be clear. Jews. That's correct. At the Civil Rights Museum that was the real uh-huh. hate crime. The definite how the Holocaust Museum was the real hate crime there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big fuck you. Well, what was the name of that one? I want to see what we did with that. Uh, oh, boy. I'll, I'll recognize it if I see it, I'm sure. Um, um, living Witness? The living witness it was earned five episode. total points. Zero of them came from me. <laughs> oh, that's right. You blanked that. Blanked Your low that total one. is a zero now because of that episode. I blanked it because their whole take was, but what if, but what if the Jews were wrong? Exactly. Yeah. So that sucked a dick. Uh, well, don't worry. They they worked the blacks in too. They yes, didn't that's leave right, that's it right. only. They, they didn't take their shots only at the Jews. There was plenty of. They American did a lot of why should stuff. we have to learn your yes. history, etc. Um, <laughs> this show sucks so much on this. It's, I mean, it's not that it's all the Star Trek writers' rooms are, they seem sort of equally bad. Maybe TNG's the exception. I don't know, but yeah, I don't, at least I think it's just because Gene was still hanging around. Yeah. And although he wanted every episode to have bisexual orgies all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, although, as we know, he had a huge blind spot, t- uh, to the treatment of women, yes, uh, I think he wanted to be doing the right thing, and he wanted a humanity that was better than what we're seeing here. Yeah, I mean, season three, I guess, when he had taken his taken his fucking hand off the wheel on TOS was a little bit rough to um, uh, civil rights people, protesters, hippies, etc. Yeah, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then go watch seasons one and two of TNG. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, uh, you know, from a production standpoint, the business with the alien language and even the alien ship showing up is a real waste of everyone's time. They could have used that time to have Janeway or Chakotay sit Tabor down and say, you can't resign for the same reason we can't let Torres die, even if it's ethically the right thing to do, Mm. because we're alone out here and we need everyone to make it home. Yep. And by the way, when we get home, we'll we'll tell everybody about Krell Moset because it seems like he no really slipped under the radar. Yeah, it seems with like the Federation. Even though he's a well-known butcher on Bajor, somehow that didn't make it into any of our files. Yeah, whoops! Turns out that the Bajorans didn't keep real good records about it, probably, and only the people who had their family killed by this guy really know. Yeah, probably not their fault about the records thing, but um, no, it, for sure. It, and you know, the Cardassians were going to blow up his whole spot, right? And um, not only that, she said the magic words, 
I'll take responsibility for this. <laughs> Which makes everything anyway, okay. They could have had some explanation for why they, you know, why they had to do this thing, even if it was the wrong thing, uh-huh. maybe. Yep. But, uh, so that sucks. <laughs> and they could have used, again, we didn't need to see the second alien ship at all. We didn't need any of that. So no. it's unimportant. But mismanagement. It's. Mm-hmm. Like I said, though, the big problem with this episode is it takes an important and serious discussion about ethics and then triumphantly sets fire to a piece of paper with the words Unit 731 written on it. Yeah. And and then celebrates it. Yes. Like. We did it. You, did, the real Chromo said is still the professor of exobiology at whatever university <laughs> on Cardassia. You did nothing. Yeah. Yep. He's still the Lacarian city. I guess that probably wouldn't be a good university of Lacarian city. He's still there. Exactly. Uh, fucking chair of exobiology or whatever. Yeah. He's still the fucking, uh, provost at, uh, Gulmaset university. <laughs> Gulmaset's private university. Good old, it's a little bit religious. Good old Gulmaset. I'm glad that he's doing so good at home. That's good for him. <laughs> um, so it's a three for me. Okay. Uh, Ben gave it as much as a six. Um, let's see. He's gonna make two, they're gonna make two schmollis eye, he says. Um, yet another self-aware hologram, except doesn't seem that aware that he's a hologram. Um, uh, he doesn't really have the right to save Bolana's life. We already talked about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like a lot of the same stuff. He he keeps calling him. Um, wait, what's the guy's name? It's Krell. Krell Moset. Mos- okay, Moset. Okay, he keeps saying Moset, and I'm like, Gold Moset. What are we talking about? Uh, anyway, so a six from uh, execution for Ben. Um, all right, let's start with the opening here. Man's curiosity is dumb, and I hate it. <laughs> Instead of heading for home, and I know this is a real shock. They're sitting around doing fucking nothing. Straight nothing. They're watching a slideshow, and the ship's not moving. They can't watch that slideshow in warp on the way to Earth? It did. It did seem to be just at a dead stop. They're just stopped. They're just stopped having a slideshow doing nothing. And they get hit by some wave, and as you said, they hear a screech, and instead of going, some kind of screech, I guess, they insist (laughs) on tracking it to its origin, though they don't know what they'll find there. Instead of just going, we've wasted enough damn time, set course for home, slipstream speeds. Another few days gone, another few days of repairs, another injured crewman, all because they just can't go home. They just refuse to go anywhere. To see them stopped and watching a slideshow so insulting. Um, Yeah. This alien was super cheesy. Their attempts to make an attack, (laughs) Balana... to make that scary were very SNL. <laughs> the way she like jumped on the ground with this big rubber bug that she was clearly holding on to herself. The actress. Yeah, you're not talking, it wasn't even Toonce's The Driving Cat. It no. was. <laughs> it was something less than that. She's holding the bug. It was for bug. a skit that wasn't a pre-film, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. She, she's holding the bug to make it look like the bug's attacking her, but she's very clearly just giving it a big hug so it'll stay on her. And then, I don't know. She's shaking a huge foam rubber bug. What do you want? That's right. Um, 
They claim they can't even tell what the fuck it could be, but to me it looked like a big bug. They should be like, let's see if it's a bug. Um, this Cardi doctor, why can't his knowledge just be in the doctor? Or even just in the computer database that the doctor can read? Because he's a, he's a fucking holodeck program, why can't he just read it? Yeah. Then they immediately make the stakes be, people are calling for all of this dude's research to be deleted. Like... Like, that's going to help anybody? Like, that's... They came to a conclusion on this question, which is, it is wrong to use the research instead of just asking the question. But then they also used the research, which made it very tricky for me. Yep. Anyway, uh, it's fine to ask this question. Voyager, um, again, undercuts the whole thing by just using the research and then also having the doctor triumphantly get rid of the guy. Uh... I just, for me, I have it as a three. It didn't. It didn't really get anywhere. Well, we're in lockstep so far. What did you give it for world building? Let's see. Once again, Chaco was able to tell within one second of that shockwave passing that there were no injuries. Somehow, it literally <laughs> did, it just stopped shaking, and he just goes, "No injuries." It's like I hope is what I meant to say. Did you, I'm sorry. Did that make it seem like I knew? I just was saying I hope. We know that you can ask a computer how everyone's doing, how a specific person is doing. We saw Dr. Crusher have a computer just give Picard's fucking readouts. Yeah, it's creepy. Uh, continuously uh, in the deep, this is a very minor point, but in the Deep Space Nine, O'Brien's just in a fucking Jeffrey's tube and he asks the fucked up hybrid Cardassian Federation computers on Deep Space Nine if to do an identity scan to prove that Keiko is actually Keiko. Uh-huh. So like, the computer could have that information, but it, it is really inconsistent whether it does or not. But it does seem like Chakotay just has to look at his panel and it's like, <laughs> no injuries. everyone's okay. Vorik has diarrhea, but everyone else is okay. <laughs> Aside from Vorik's diarrhea, which we talked about earlier, everyone's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, that came up in the briefing, but otherwise everyone's okay. Uh, this week, despite Harry's feeble attempt the last time he tried to make an EMH, TP's like, Harry can do it. Why? Why can he do it? <laughs> Last time he put Grey's Anatomy into the doctor's mouth, shrugged his shoulders, and walked out on the whole deal. <laughs> that was as far as he got. Was the, the he just started to read a textbook? Listen, I think it's motivation. He didn't really want to remake the Doctor because nobody likes the Doctor. But this time there was an opportunity to invent a second Doctor, and then maybe later you turn off the first one. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, this guy was so charming too. It definitely would have gone that way if it wasn't for all the fucking all the crimes for all of the crimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, recursive algorithms for the win, I guess. It's how Harry explains how he fixes the guy. Uh, no, yeah, Lee, you're right that he does say he'll, he he installed a recursive algorithm. That's it. So, um. There's just something about the Cardassians that makes people go, yeah, I'm a racist. I'm a big <laughs> racist against Cardassians. I know what I'm saying and how it sounds. It's true, though. Nothing is nothing is better than O'Brien's speech in The Wounded. <laughs> yes. When he goes in and Keiko's made bad dinner or whatever. <laughs> or maybe this is to, he's giving... He tries to get maybe this is him giving the her, He's giving her sloppy Irish dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, can you believe there's still people who feel that way about the Cardassians? Huh? That's weird. And she's like, well, it's totally natural, though. I mean, we're at war for a long time. And he's like, yeah, still, though, that's, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be like that unless you think it's okay. Because if it's, if you tell me it's okay, then I'll. Unless uh, I'm probing to find out if this is a safe space where I can 
Let's <laughs> say spoonhead. Talk about how much I hate the spoonheads, right? <laughs> uh anyway, so yeah, everyone just hates Cardassians the instant they see them. Um weird that Krell's crimes never made it into Starfleet records. Uh the screaming bug aliens of the week. Um for me just a two. I don't know. How did you how did you feel about it? Uh well uh I mean just taking a quick look over here, Ben had it as high as a four. Okay. Uh he says there's a right to resign commissions and then but then what? Become a cook, spend fifty years in the brig. They'll just dump you out like the vinculum, dude. Uh, he says it seems like they need a Hoshi. Yeah, well, this ship was only supposed to be on a three-hour tour. That's true. Um, but he gives it a four. We've got Cardassian war crimes, although not in any context where it can be relevant going forward. Yeah. This is uh, not the show or the place to address the issue of Cardassian war crimes, but they did some. I mean, I guess maybe next uh, week, Kralmasek could just be like palling around in the fucking the doctor's office again. <laughs> i changed my mind i just he's so it was so much fun to have around i thought about it and i was like would it really hurt anyone if we did go and see an opera together like <laughs> we talked about that's right um aliens that can make sounds on voyager's bridge even while warping in yeah they um there were opportunities to sh- to score some points here by making reference to actual federation law or precedent on the use of tainted research mm-hmm. or like this can this be the first time this has come up uh just some reference like well also you know tuvok likes to act <clears throat> like he's all logical and this is the totally logical read on this but like hey tuvok like that shit's been in the fucking records forever we've used it five thousand yeah. times like what not just that, but all the right. other ones that where we know it came from bad places. All the medical information that came from all the bad places. You didn't say anything about that shit before. But it's like in a better show, like in uh, in Measure of a Man, <clears throat> this is not the first time any of this has come up. There's precedent that's yeah. referenced. Uh but again, they didn't want to earn any they didn't want to earn any points by having had this issue that was being talked about even in the nineteen nineties have had any consensus reached or any precedent set. So, yep. Uh, ultimately I could only give it one point. Okay. Characterization. Well, Janeway really frosts my ass. She's, uh, she's awful and she gets, I don't know, worse every day. Probably. I mean, I know she, she's got to fill up her whole day pacing around her quarters, thinking about her bad life choices or whatever, Mm -hmm. but she can't, talk it out with Bolana for five minutes after she's essentially violated her. Yep. She just has to show up at her quarters and order her to move past it and tell her her quarters smell real bad. <laughs> like she's the one who did something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's very 2020 slash 2021 though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And also, by the way, it's clear that uh, someone said, hey, do you know your hologram idea? The one that you had to create an exobiology hologram, Captain Janeway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Turns out the guy's a uh, war criminal. That's not your fault. You didn't specify which one, but this was your idea. He's really riling up the Maquis, and she said, Chicote's problem. <laughs> but I'll take responsibility. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, then everyone on this show is too dumb to realize that this scenario doesn't rely on Krell's cure for the Ray Fossey virus or whatever, and they can just change holograms. Yeah. Like, nothing about his specific research is applicable here. Yeah, all they do is zap the bug until it lets go or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. So that sucks for everyone. And the doctor hangs on to the idea that Moset might be a nice guy for way too long. So again, who looks good this week? That's a good question, and it's a common question in Voyager, for sure. I gave it, I I ultimately gave it a three for characterization, but... For people being uh, um, at least willing to ask questions or whatever? Yeah, but like, I'd go as low as a two. Okay. Uh, Well, Ben was a four. Uh, again, Chaco does not save the crew from Schmollis' slideshow. Um, Schmollis is horrible at threat assessment. He says, don't shoot the creature because that'll hurt Balana. And then they don't shoot, but the creature compromises all of her internal organs anyway. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. Um, James. Schmollis fucking dives on her, like, don't shoot the alien. Like, whoa, bud. Yeah. Don't hurt our precious rubber bug. Or, I guess, don't hurt Balana too. Uh, Janeway does nothing to repair her relationship with Balana and seems not even to try. Yeah. I think Ben nailed it as well. Um, here's what I got. Oh, by the way, that was worth a four. Um, Schmollis is even meaner than most Star Trek crew. He makes the fucking extras show up for his boring-ass slideshows. Uh-huh. I don't know if you saw the second row of seats was all fucking extras. <laughs> uh-huh. Voyager well, doesn't even have many way- of those left. He did it during two different shifts. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Harry Kim and Chakotay had already seen it. Also, he keeps taking pictures of the crew in compromising situations. Yeah. Which, that is just for being a dick. That has no other reason. Uh, Shmalis claims he still doesn't have a name. And then he starts kissing this dude's fucking ass. This fake Cardi Mangala. Just, this dude's getting his hollow pole greased all night by the doctor uh in the end though it's that episode of workaholics about the pedophile played by real life pedophile <laughs> chris D'Elia. and um he has to let his cool friend go because he does crimes uh chaco was feeling pranky today chaco tells tabor too bad but then when tabor goes nah chaco has to reconsider his position <laughs> Did you see that? Like, he acts real definitive. He's like, well, that's just how it is. You're going to have to deal with it. And the guy's like, that guy killed my family. And then like zooms in on Chaco's face. And he's like, uh-oh. Like, he was not prepared for any pushback in there. Um, Seven does not give a crap about Tabor's shit. She's a real data on the Sutherland this week. <laughs> just true. tells him to shut the fuck up and do his work. She doesn't have a rank. But she definitely outranks Tabor, and everyone knows it. I mean, we all know she outranks Kim. From the moment she showed up, she was his boss. <laughs> uh, TP likes rock and roll, too. That's a thing. And obviously he'll do anything to save Balana. Uh, Balana has maybe some stuff that she should examine. She can't be in the same room as a Cardassian hologram. Yeah. She's very angry that she saved against her wishes, too. This brings us to Janeway. Janeway makes the tough calls seem easy, probably because she isn't really paying attention most of the time. 
I feel like I'd be good at making a decision and then saying grimly the consequences. I mean, I don't have an alternate theory. <laughs> she's not paying attention. That's why she's so able to just be like, well, here's what we're doing. Um, I, I, I feel like I'd be good at making a decision and saying grimly the consequences of this decision will fall entirely on me. It's like I've never seen on her desk a little placard that says the buck stops here, but she doesn't understand what that means. Like, <laughs> no, it doesn't mean just immediately make a decision without thinking about it. Also, she yells at Tuvork that this isn't about logic. It's about instinct. Sounds like a real Dr. McCoy. <laughs> then she walks into Bala's quarters and goes, your ethnic smells gross. Me out. I don't like your ethnic smells. Get rid of them. Yep. Boy, I had it as a four. Was any of that good? I guess I like the seven told that guy to shut up. Yeah, just a three, I think. Not good. <sighs> well, you want to give me some quick hitters? How weird that we keep seeing new extras. Has anybody done an, like an extra count on this show and found out that there are actually like 600 distinct Voyager crewmen? Uh, I mean... It does seem like the kind of thing that would be on X Astra Scientia, but yeah, I don't knows. want to propose anything new. I think Burn's sick. <laughs> yeah, like really sick. Um, yeah, because yeah, I just, I, everyone I saw this week, I was like, I don't remember that guy, including Tabor. Uh, it didn't. Well, it's a fucking season five of Voyager, man. Patricia Tallman was busy by this time, and it's like. <laughs> they couldn't get Cameron. It's going to be, yeah, they couldn't get Cameron. It's going to be some new faces. There's to- How is the Cameron fan club going, by the way? Oh, it's going great. I saw Cameron this week in the in the TNG. She's she's doing great. Cool. Um, it didn't make any difference because the to the engines weren't working. But why did Janeway try to go to warp eight to avoid that wave? Why didn't she try warp one first? Why warp eight? It's a good question. What's warp eight gonna do for her? <laughs> I feel like warp warp yes. eight takes some time to get up to or whatever. It's a lot faster than Warp 1. I guess. I just feel like Warp 1 probably would have got him out of the way of that wave. I mean, that ship wasn't in their system. That thing must have been going faster than light, right? Well, it doesn't make any sense that it was, but it must have been. Yeah. I had worked. The weird, the weird wave that shakes the ship that contains the message doesn't make any sense and is never explained. So Yeah, what is that wave? Where did it, Is that what the aliens do? Is that their business? They make big waves? Maybe these dudes ride Krieger waves or something? Oh, shit. There's going to be a few holes in the bulkheads on Voyager this week. Could be. Uh, I had worst actor candidate, Tabor. He didn't get it done for me. Um, Ben here has bolded for himself biggest plot hole. Why can't they just take some of that knowledge and either integrate it with Schmollis or another hologram like Dr. Brahms? Yes, we all got that. It is it's, a real... a, it's, the, it's a huge plot hole. It's the problem with the whole episode. It's stupid in so many ways. What about you? Uh, Harry, this is the captain. I need you to make a super smart hologram capable of independent thought and full of all of our exobiology knowledge. What do you mean? No, that's an order. <laughs> what do you mean you quit? Oh, it's fine. Uh, Harry told the computer to install a recursive algorithm. Yeah. So it's fine now. That solved the problem. Uh, Tom Paris is immediately a dick to this hologram. Do you know how... When Luke Skywalker, when C-3PO tells Luke Skywalker that the little guy's R2-D2, and he goes, nice to meet you. Mm -hmm. Tom Paris is even worse than that. (laughs) Yes. Come on, Doc. He's a hologram. That he's shitty to this hologram, 
in front of a guy who is definitely alive or else why did they go to his slideshow? Yes, exactly right. Uh-huh. Although I'm still not convinced uh, Janeway thinks he's alive. I think she's doing that to humor everyone else. I, honestly, it's probably true. You're probably right about that. She didn't let him reset himself. Oh, uh, we're, uh, uh, we're going to the holograms little thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Great. A wacky ship. <laughs> uh, Matthew, did you get some Ted Danson energy from that guy? <laughs> it was sort of like an like a even slightly nerdier Ted Danson. A little bit of Ted Danson energy coming off of this guy. I looked it up. It wasn't Ted Danson. No, that would have been quite um, a get but... in the 90s. Yeah. Uh... In the real world, bizarre medical experiments pretty much have never resulted in usable research. Yeah. Um, we part we did pardon a bunch of Japanese monsters after World War II, but the research that we felt was invaluable there was actually on biological weapons, not anything that could have helped anyone. Right. And Mangala's shit was just wacky experiments with no purpose that definitely did not result in any useful research. So Yeah. He is a famous monster, like, but his research was not anything. It's a real issue to, for universities and doctors associations and things to think about. Like, it's not, it's not nothing. It's an important topic that's worth thinking about. It's just, uh, there aren't actually good real world examples. Maybe there are all- some of the, some of the syphilis experiments and things like that, but there was definitely some unethical, uh, experimentation done in, in actual medical research, but this Mengele level stuff that this guy was up to is not, yeah, they has not resulted in that. The only, th- I mean, in real life, I guess the, the thing that works the best, which is why he, the guy brings it up as an argument is about what about research on lesser beings or whatever he says. Right. So, but we've already had like six episodes about that. So, but again, it's, um, the real problem was that they didn't treat the issue seriously enough. Not that it's not an issue worth talking about. The uh, I gave best actor to Cardi Ted Danson. He's gone up against the Voyager cast, so he had it pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And I gave worst actor to Tabor, as you pointed out. He wasn't um, good at all. This guy came in at 100, and it didn't leave him anywhere to go when it went from I don't like seven of nine because my boss doesn't like seven of nine uh-huh. to this guy murdered my whole family. It's really true. He, yeah. His performance doesn't change much in those two circumstances. He, he didn't leave himself room <laughs> to later be uh, furious. My boss says I should stab you in the neck. It's like, whoa. <laughs> All right, Tabor. Where the fuck you are. And by the way, it is the job of a director to step in and say, Hey, we have another scene coming up with you. <laughs> we need, yeah, we're gonna need where you, you to... discover that the this hologram is uh, made in the image of the man who killed your brother and grandfather. Yeah. So here in this scene, I want you to go like, let's go fifty percent. Like Seven should definitely know that you don't like her, mm-hmm. but let's let's sort of keep it around there. Anyway, and do it like the video game voice actor did as well. <laughs> I feel like that's a common directing note. Yeah. For sure. Uh sorry to spend fifty seven minutes on Voyager. I know I was came in real hot about this trash episode, and I promise I'm about to return to normal. And we only but... had several uh topics that we branched off into during the description. <laughs> uh second place last week was Deep Space Nine. Yeah. This week we watched The Assignment. Yeah. 
you like sounding like that theme? Blah! That's what you sound like. <laughs> like, who thought that was a good idea? Also, why <laughs> is this episode called The Assignment? How dumb is this? Anyway. <clears throat> it's like they didn't want to spoil it. They really didn't. Like, they didn't want you to see in the TV. Like, if it had been called uh, Keiko Gets Possessed, <laughs> you'd be like, yes. well, I mean, I'm going to watch it, but. <laughs> It's just like, mm. it seems like it's some kind of spy episode or something. I guess he does some... some... It's about paw wraiths. Okay. Uh, I guess we're lucky they didn't just call it the paw wraiths or something. Um, uh, Quark and Rom argue about Rom's cool new job as a technician on DS9. Uh, Rom's sure that if he keeps cleaning the toilets, he's going to get all the respect and responsibility he craves. Quark's not so sure. O'Brien is in deep... Like, by the way, like he didn't make Rom clean the toilets in Quarks. Oh, someone had to clean them. It was either him or his son. Once he was gone, it was probably all uh, all Rom. O'Brien is in deep shit because he let Keiko's bonsai trees dry out and die. He's um scared to greet her at the airlock and tell her. I, maybe she'd make a scene. <laughs> I don't know. When um When he tries to tell her, she acts like she doesn't even give a shit. And then she just straight up tells him that she's not Keiko. She's taken possession of Keiko's body. O'Brien is sure it's a cool sex thing and that it's his lucky day, but nah, it's the real deal. Well, uh, just for context, Matt, it is his birthday. It is his birthday, that's right. He thinks it's going to be a birthday sex He thinks day. he's getting weird birthday sex. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but no, nah, it's totally the real deal. She even gives a cool demonstration and seizes up real bad, bloody nose and everything. And, uh, you know, she talks him out of trying any cool tricks and... Asks him to reconfigure communication and sensor relays. To keep up appearances, Keiko plans a birthday party for O'Brien while he, like, works on all the stupid shit she asked him to do. O'Brien gives his operations team a lot of shit to do to keep him busy, and he doesn't let Rom volunteer to help him out with stuff because he's going to be doing the, the bad the bad secret stuff. Um... He tries to, like, think of ways to knock Keiko out, but they all take too long because she can, like, kill the body almost instantly or whatever. So he just gets to work on doing her weird sabotage. He goes to his birthday party later, and because of the tyranny of the happy birthday song copyright status, they all sing For He's a Jolly Good Fellow, a song so British it must insult him. <laughs> There's no way he wants that song in there. Oh, and it must frost his ass to look at Bashir, too. <laughs> just happily singing yes. it away. He can't say anything, because then he's he's got issues if he brings it up. But it's like, you you know you know what you're doing, like for Julian real, Bashir. Listen to those lyrics. For he's a jolly good fellow. What is, is more British? This is the most English sentiment. Yeah, yeah what's no, more, we all that's agree. just disgusting. It's so English. Um, after uh, Jake mentions cool Paw Wraith legends for nobody in particular... O'Brien loses his shit. And well, you see, she was in the fire caves, and there was an earlier episode where Jake and Nog wanted to go to the fire caverns, mm. which I guess is the same as the fire caves. Sounds right. And someone told them to watch out for paw wraiths, <sighs> but it was spelled differently in that script. But, it, you know, <laughs> whatever. this is actually technically continuity. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, O'Brien loses his shit and smashes a glass in his hand like a lumpy, pale hulk. <laughs> Later, Keiko won't even let him sleep on the couch. 
Well, he had a huge birthday pour of whiskey. I don't know if you saw that. It wasn't a normal-sized amount of whiskey. <laughs> he, drank, he drank a good portion, and then he just did a Hulk smash on that glass. He just crushed a whiskey glass in his hand. I was tempted to go get one of my whiskey glasses and try it, frankly. Maybe, like, just wrap it in a rag? It doesn't seem like you should be able to do Yeah, you'd have to. Wrap it in a rag Wrap it in squeeze. a piece of leather or something. Yeah. I wonder if that would... Put on, your weld, put on my welding glove and try. I feel like it could be done. I kind of feel like, it, depending on the glass, it could be done, for sure. I think I have yeah, maybe maybe they got that. maybe they got all kinds of thin glassware here because if they drop it and break it fuck it that's what replicators are for just fucking beam it to Bajor isn't that what they do with their garbage I think so just beam it 10,000 feet above some Bajor uh, field beaming it costs a lot of energy they kind of <laughs> just shoot it at Bajor <laughs> it'll burn up yeah uh, anyway he wants to sleep on the couch Keiko won't let won't let him do that she probably made him do oral or butt stuff too would be my guess just to like tell him what's what well as a weird punishment he then goes and sleeps in the middle of a full-size bed so that keiko has to be like fucking jammed again i don't know if you saw how they framed that but o'brien had eight inches of of free space on his other side and keiko was up against it that's all column you know what i mean like you know how dave (laughs) dave foley talked about how his favorite parts of news radio were the parts where he got to kiss um more tyranny because he was going through a, a terrible divorce and he was just happy to be able to make human contact with someone. I think Colin was just happy to cozy up to uh, what's her name. <laughs> uh, he did get to touch Rosalind Chow's hip in this one. Yeah, so. I think he was just. They probably told him, "Hey, you know, you got some room over there." He's like, "No, I don't." Um. Anyway, in the morning, Keiko threatens uh, threatens Molly and gives Miles his new instructions. Those other ones, those were just a test. I mean, uh, listen, real world, it was, of course, for camera at reasons. The same reason Riker is always up Picard's ass on the bridge. <laughs> Just following so close, man, he can't not step on the back of Just his like, shoes. It, look, at, look at any two shot with Picard and Riker standing on that bridge, talking at the view screen or something. Uh, Riker is, the front of Riker's jersey is brushing up against the back of, of Picard's every time. For sure. Um... Keiko can sense that O'Brien's going to tell on her, so she goes to the promenade and flings herself <laughs> off the top, off the top level. Miles, whoop! Yep. She's uh, she's badly injured, and O'Brien goes to see her in the infirmary. Evil Keiko makes him agree to stop trying to hinder her progress. So, also, uh, <laughs> she also makes him make out with her. Yep, he has to do some in front of Bashir. She, this Padre loves to have sexual control over this dude. <laughs> Uh, O'Brien's on the clock now, too. She gave him a 13-hour limit to get everything done. Not sure why. I don't think she says why. 13 hours is how long she's got. I think she knows that Miles can't hold it together for much longer than that. She should have given him an 11-hour deadline, because he couldn't manage to keep it cool for 13, (laughs) Well, he ends up coming up with a much less cool plan that uh, makes makes it much easier to get caught. Anyway, uh, while he's getting his secret shit done, Rom startles him by coming in to get a new assignment because he's so fast at tinkering, bro. Yeah. Um, Uh, He probably just uh, mashed a bunch of spatulas into every panel, too. So it's like, you know, a bunch of Rom's work has to be done a second time. Like that fucking spy episode on the holodeck? Is that what you. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, O'Brien decides to recruit Rom because he's, you know, he's a dope who's good at tinkering. He'll help him get stuff done, and he won't question why. It's great. They do a montage. Dax accidentally discovers all the Chief's shitty changes and says there's a saboteur on board. O'Brien tells Cisco that it's all cool. No damage has been done, just a few tweaks. Wow, we don't need to look into this anymore. 
<laughs> um, but since that's not good enough, he pins it on his good buddy, Rom, who's yeah. hauled away for interrogation. Rom definitely gets to find out what the underside of a bus looks like. <laughs> yep, that's right. He, um, now that he lives there, he's going to have a, a new perspective on it. Uh, O'Brien continues his work. Rom finally gets to be alone with O'Brien, and he asks him why they're pointing a chronoton beam at the wormhole and killing the wormhole aliens. O'Brien never figured that out. He's just been doing all this aimless shit, but it turns out Rom <laughs> to be fair, figured it out quick. To be fair, he did a Data in Troy-style analysis um, about paw rates the night before, <laughs> where he asked the computer... <laughs> Tay, what's a paw wraith? And the computer said, I got 6,000 entries. And he was like, Fuck forget it. it. Yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> I got time for this. Uh, anyway, Rom now knows he's been used, but agrees to keep playing dumb for O'Brien while he tries to fix everything. Um, Odo figures out that O'Brien's responsible for this shit and confronts him, but O'Brien gives him his first humanoid concussion. Uh, then he steals a runabout so he can fly Keiko to the wormhole so she can, like, go in the wormhole after they kill the aliens inside? I wasn't clear on that part. Anyway, it puts... Yeah, she wants to get back into that temple right away. Yeah, she's. I guess they're gonna shoot it and then they're just gonna fly straight in there with a runabout. She doesn't even want to let that dust settle. Anyway, it puts her right in the line of fire. So he just blasts the runabout instead of the wormhole, gambling that, I guess, whatever would kill the wormhole aliens would kill a paw wraith, too. And uh, yeah. it works. He gets his real wife back. It's unclear what kind of trouble he'll get into. I mean, like, super unclear. No one talks about it. Should be some, though, huh? No one says shit. In fact, we're right back at the bookend here. Rom shows up for breakfast at Quark's again. He's been promoted to the day shift now. And he's got lots of cool work friends. And Quark uh, begrudgingly congratulates him and gives him his human breakfast. (sighs) What was the assignment about? Well, Ben says the assignment is about you can't negotiate with terrorists. Oh. And for him, that's a five. Okay. Um, I don't know that terrorist is a particularly good description for what's happening. She's a hostage taker. Yeah, that seems to be right. Yeah. Uh, Her agenda is murder. It's not political. Anyway. (laughs) No, not in a way that we would understand. (laughs) You know, it's not terrorism as we would understand it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think this take is a question, unfortunately. Uh And it's how far would you go to save the ones you love? Mm -hmm. Like, would you even do wrong for her in this case? (laughs) Would you lead with that even? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll sacrifice for you. I'll even do wrong for you. I feel like he probably got closer (laughs) to the mic when he said that part. Uh, probably, yeah. Well, wouldn't you lean in? Yeah, really let her know. Um, It's a question and not a statement because ultimately, I don't think it's clear what O'Brien would have done if Rom hadn't handed him the solution. Yeah. He said at the top of the show that he wouldn't hurt anyone on the station for her, but would he have? Because it seemed like he basically stopped trying to figure out what her motives were once she put him on the clock. So yeah, it seemed like he at least felt like he was out of options, probably. It did seem that way. Um, questions can't really score big. There's lots of ways to ask this question right. about what you would do with that don't require paw raids or whatever. So uh, I could only see my way clear to giving it a four. Okay. Um... Yeah, so I guess I I figured he didn't know for sure 
that that was going to work. So it was still a risk, right? Like, yeah, it's it's still something. Yeah, he thinks, all right, maybe I've got a plan here. Maybe this is going to work. But like, there's no way to know what that's going to do to the paw wraith. So I said a moral person doesn't put his loved ones ahead of other people. It's interesting because I was sure it was going to be the opposite take. It <laughs> seemed like he was going to try to do what she wanted, but then he'd be stopped in some way. Um, But he does take a few chances that put Keiko in jeopardy, especially the last one. I guess to make sure he isn't responsible for harming these wormhole aliens that he doesn't. Has he even met them? I don't think they've taken the time out of their schedule to talk to him yet. <laughs> no, he's, I guess he's not super important. Uh, now They've talked to Cisco. Have they talked to Kira? I don't think they have. I think it's just Cisco. I mean, she's had an orb vision, but I don't think she's actually gone face-to-face with the dudes. Oh, she has had an orb vision. But anyone who looks at an orb gets one of those. Yes. That's nothing. Yeah. Uh, I guess my mitigating factor in this was he hates his wife. So maybe he's just more willing to risk her. Like, it's possible. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I guess I agree with this, but I wouldn't know what to think of somebody who killed the wormhole aliens to save their wife. Like, it would be understandable, at least. You know? It's something. Uh, I gave it a six. Um, Matthew, do you think in that scenario there is or isn't a law in the books to fit his crime? Would he even do jail time, is what I'm asking. No, definitely not. Would he even have to be in, in the Tom Paris Memorial wing of that New Zealand prison island nope someone would claim they were going to put a file put a note in his file but you know it would never get done that note never gets yeah. done for sure <laughs> <clears throat> so i gave it a six um flipping around to execution i i'm glad the paw rates are aliens and not magic at this point right you can zap them with chronoton beams and shit and that's fine right i hope we keep it right here far away from mysticism uh-huh. <laughs> uh this clown rom is one of the better parts of the show just in general i think like he can lighten things a bit too much but some of it works like when odo says it took 40 minutes just to get rom to tell him his name after the earlier discussion yeah. about rom not even giving up his name and o'brien telling him everyone yeah. already knows it like and by the way you don't see any of that nope that's a thing odo says and you laugh about the idea yes exactly right so some of it works with rom even though it's a it's kind of silly although he really reminds me of a kinder gentler kwang su i might have said that before and i'm really into <laughs> that idea <laughs> he's a, he's a creature like kwang su but he's not a monster like kwang su no uh to be fair kwang su uh, well Quark would be more of a Kwong Su, except I think Quark is more of a big nose. <laughs> Everybody, everyone out there is a Star Trek and a Running Man fan, right? This all makes yeah. sense? This crossover is universal. Um, sometimes you can hear the actors on these shows struggling with the techno babble, and that was definitely O'Brien this week. Like, <laughs> poor Column. If they had Keiko tell him what was up in the beginning of the episode, he could have just kept saying things like, don't worry, I'll help you kill the wormhole aliens or whatever. But instead, right. he has to talk about every single thing. <laughs> he has to talk about optronic integrators every fucking oh, scene. He has to talk about them all individually. <laughs> and it's so much technobabble. And he really struggles with it. There are scenes where he's barely getting the sentences out and you can tell. 
that he's just kind of trying to remember what he's saying as he's going along. Um, the quark a little. He's much better when he's singing the Minstrel Boy <laughs> in the red room with his racist ass captain. <laughs> he's not all bad though. What's that song you always used to sing, Chief? Oh, you mean the one you insisted I sing? The one you made me sing when you gave me my nickname and all that business. You thought it was really cool. Do you get? Uh, I guess you've never noticed that I play classical cello. <laughs> That's right. I'm actually uh, kind of a sophisticated person. Yeah. Uh, the, I'm not just a grinning you the one Irish you keep, fuck. You mean the way you would keep telling me to Irish it up? <laughs> he does say I'd, something, doesn't while that guy? I'd sing the minstrel boy with you and you'd be going, oh, faith and big old. Doesn't, doesn't that guy say something about the Blarney Stone in that episode? For sure he does. I fuck Ben Maxwell. And then O'Brien. Yeah, let me tell you about Ben Maxwell. This dude's a racist. <laughs> Still at the end, O'Brien's like, I'm sure he had a reason for what he did. He, you know, he's what he did was wrong, but I, I served with him and I know he's a good man. You're like, fuck you, O'Brien. Because he seemed like a dick to me. Yeah, he was as old to you every day. Um, <laughs> The Quark Little League wraparounds are getting wild. That opening uh, well, scene made me think this was a Rom Quark relationship episode. I'm morally certain that Armin Shimmerman had it in his contract. It has to be he's in every episode. There's no, There's no yes. other explanation. Do you remember the introduction to the episode where it turns out he fucking hacked the Defiant, and then that's a just <laughs> that's a it. grim episode. Yeah, it was a terrible, terrible time on that planet. Yeah, he hacked the Defiant, and I don't know, I guess he's going to get in trouble. It don't matter. Don't know how that matter. He's not in the episode anymore. Um, yeah, so I thought, oh, well, oh it's going to be a Rom-Quark relationship B-plot or something. That'll be interesting. No, he just shows up again in the end, but that's it. Like, yeah. Uh, overall, it's not a fun watch. Aliens impersonating cast members is pretty old hat in this project, and particularly in DS9. Oh, and on Deep Space Nine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's been done a million times already. <laughs> Listen, like once every 15 times they do it, it results in something like, it's a clock. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that's my favorite thing that's happened so far in the series. So I'm down. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we even know enough about Keiko to notice the difference when there's a paw wraith in her. Um, and they aren't even done with that particular trope. Like not by a long shot. We're just going to have to keep doing it. So... It's very boring. Uh, I'm going to give it a four. Um, I don't know. Uh, so Ben's a four also. Mm -hmm. He says we don't know Keiko super well, and that makes the tension a little bit off. He thinks the music is working too hard. Um... There's no reason Miles would suspect Keiko of actually being a paw wraith. No. And then he goes, yeah, exactly. So he said it felt very pointless and he gave it a four. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, the introduction of the paw wraiths is interesting from a world building point of view, but it's kind of rotten for storytelling. Yeah, it's a mystical it, being. It makes it basically impossible to to avoid a bunch of dumb biblical analogies. As soon as you get these, these are angels that were kicked out of heaven. Yeah. And then it's like, Cisco's emissary is already a little Christ-like. We don't need to double down. Uh, I got strong vibes when I was watching this episode, Matt, that somehow Cisco, Odo, and everybody already knew 
what O'Brien was doing, just like in the episode where it turns out that he's a clone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, it did, like it, they there just were keep... moments that definitely were flashbacky in the feelings that were coming out. Yeah, like um, uh, we, he asks where Cisco is. Cisco's in Odo's office talking about something. Uh, I'm like, they already know. They already know. Dax like sneaks uh, up on him. Dax is yeah. Dax is like up at three in the morning huh. looking at anomalies Just, for some. You know reason. how anomalies some, make me relax, huh? Yeah, she's got some half-assed explanation that nobody would buy about how it makes her go to sleep instead of just rubbing one out or taking a Benadryl. <laughs> right. She just gets up and does some science. It's not even science. And it's anyway- like she doesn't even know what the word anomaly means. Anomalies help you relax? <laughs> Things that can't be explained help you relax? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, as far as I know, none of that turns out to be true. Sure. But it does help set kind of a claustrophobic air for O'Brien. You know, the the way I felt like people were on to him. Yeah. When he's trying to constantly sneak things under the radar. And not only that, uh, the fact that it was him the last time just is just like Exactly. It's always him doing this fucking business. Yeah. Uh I thought one kind of big flaw that this is an episode that's sort of tangentially about profits and paw rates. No no Kira, no Kai Win. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, nobody who can nobody for whom this is a religious uh issue and not just weird aliens are fighting each other. Yeah. Um, but Kira was actually giving birth to a child, so that's why she's not in this one. Well, maybe uh, she'll be back soon. She has not been in it very much. Uh, part of it is yeah, I think obviously, she only took like a couple of weeks off. Yeah, part of it's obviously the pregnancy, and part of it was just Worf came and just obliterated her lines from the show. Um, but frankly, I expected to really hate this episode as soon as Keiko said, I'm not Keiko. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I half remember that she got taken over Fire and did rate. a reverse power play. Oh, man. Uh, I can think of like three other characters in the show who one day will be taken over by a paw wraith. Uh-huh. Yeah, the paw wraiths become pretty big anyway. Uh, I actually mostly didn't hate watching it. I'm giving it as much as five for execution. Yeah, I almost had it there. I just... If it's like, I just can't do the characters being taken over anymore. I can't, I can't do, I can't <laughs> it's, do it's it. It's a real, it's a heavy lift. It's a lot. And it just keeps happening. I mean, on TOS, it happened all the time too. But DS9 is the modern version where it's all the time. It happened, fi- yeah, happened 15 times on TOS. So far in TNG, Troy has been a fucking, <laughs> in, in clues, yeah. Troy broke Worf's wrist, which when she was taken over by the aliens that made her talk with a deep voice. Yeah, when she used the voice that you use when you say, Chancellor Valorum. Exactly. Of course, Data has been not Data a couple of times. Uh-huh. Picard has been replaced by still, doppelgangers. and Frankly, power play is not that far off. No, so God, that's right. That's it's, the season. Uh, week 114. So it's, uh, it, and, and like we've said, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it's just a lot. It's a ton. It's, it's a lot. We did a, there was a whole episode where O'Brien was real paranoid about the rest of the crew and then it turned out that he was a clone the whole time. <laughs> yes. And by the way, real successful twist ending. It was great. I liked the ending a lot. But, I mean, except for how cold they were just standing over his dying body talking about him <laughs> like he was trash. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, not only that, dude, there was an episode where every member of the senior staff became one of her old hosts. One of her old uh, uh, yep. yeah, hosts, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So that got to be fun. Got, got to play over. a lady. <sighs> um, so, yeah, it is. You're right. It's getting a little tired. Anyway, you couldn't see your way clear to giving it a five. Yeah, I was, I was almost there with you. I was like, this wasn't that bad. It could have been worse, but I just I couldn't hang with it anymore. Um, all right. What about uh, the world building? 
Oh no! What did you score it? Oh, it was my turn. I didn't do it yet. I gave it a. I gave it a four. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, and it's your turn to talk about world building. Oh, I thought you. I thought I went, and then you went, and I. When you said that you gave it a five, I just repeated. Okay, what let's I talk said. it back. You. Let's talk it back. You. I did. <laughs> It's fine. I, I'll go. Um, okay, world building. Here's here's what I thought about world building. Okay. We have Rudellian brain fever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the replicator just automatically clears up anything you stick in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if you just put half a cake in there or say one dog, it just gets disappeared. You notice they didn't want to do the effect. She steps away from it and you hear the noise. Uh, yeah, for sure. She <laughs> stepped away and you hear the noise and you don't see a PA taking that cake away for the next time they have to do that tape. Yep. Uh, chroniton particles kill wormhole aliens, uh, probably because they exist outside of time. But I don't know when in the series we established that. But Rom knows it. Yeah, Rom figured that one out right away. Rom knows that chroniton particles will kill wormhole aliens. Don't know how he knows that. Don't know why that ever would have come up in anything he was doing. But he knows that. Uh, Starfleet has not yet worked out that phasers will kill Q if you can distract him. But <laughs> yeah, Rom would have figured it out. They. They immediately figure out how to kill these wormhole guys. Mm, he was afraid of the phaser. He would have pointed it out. And of course, paw wraiths. And unfortunately, the introduction of paw wraiths and their desire to get back to the temple and the fact that they're exiled wormhole aliens and the fact that I know we're going to deal with paw wraiths <laughs> again means that I had to give it five points for world building. Wow, okay. That's interesting. I wasn't quite there on that one. I haven't heard and I'll I'll do Ben's too, but I, I have in here, I'm not sure I would necessarily think they were going to get a ton of mileage out of Paul Wraiths after this episode's over. I guess I'd assume a one-off. I know better in real life, of course. But I mm. guess you're right. I guess setting them up as the, I don't know, the opposite, I guess, of the wormhole aliens means they might come back. That's interesting. Uh, let me do Ben's first. Um, He says, at the party, the crew thinks that O'Brien is just being his cranky self. <laughs> Sounds like a characterization, but sure. Uh, Paw wraiths from the fire caves, chroniton beams. How does Rom specifically know this information? Why does the chroniton beam look like lightning? Well, <laughs> you know. That's uh, a good question, but what would a chroniton beam look yeah, like? I, Maybe it looks like lightning. I, I can't really criticize. I don't know what they're supposed to look like. Uh, I have, um, that was a three for him. I have puree of beetle, uh, uh, mm-hmm. bacon eggs and corned beef hash people still are eating that for breakfast in the future well at least o'brien is yeah i don't recommend it but o'brien eats it every day as far as we know eating your um your salty meat with a side of salty meat is is that's one <laughs> way to go <laughs> uh like you said verdillion brain fever a phaser on stun still takes almost a second to knock somebody out um yeah, it seems like people mostly go down like a big sack of shit when they get hit with a phaser on stun, or it does nothing. <laughs> right. One of the two. Yeah. Uh, paw wraiths are real, and they're not that different from the wormhole aliens. Maybe just some that were cast out, and chroniton beams zap them good. Uh, the various shifts for technicians on DS9, and the close collaboration between Starfleet and Bajoran engineers... Yeah, okay, I'll give it a four. Let's see, yeah, now that I think about it, I guess the way that they're positioned means we probably will have to see them again, and of course I know we will. Yeah. Characterization. It's also already their second appearance. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen one before, but they were discussed earlier, right. like I said. Uh, Ben's a four in characterization. 
Rom loves working for O'Brien. O'Brien thinks the possession's a kinky game for like two seconds. I think it's more than that. She has to say a few things to him before he <laughs> realizes that this is not a sex thing. Mm-hmm. What, by the way, where does that come from? I am so used to things being bad and going bad that I would, ne- I would just like. It definitely wouldn't take more than one thing for her to say for me to go. Oh, never mind. The fucking the only implication is that he makes them do role plays. Yeah, I cannot believe it's her idea. Oh no way! That's yeah, not possible. Uh, he says O'Brien sucker punches Odo, and again. Just like he was trying to be an eagle last week or whenever it was. <laughs> when he just yelled, Hawkman! And then just fell to the ground. Um, he probably wouldn't be expecting it. Because in the past, it just would have gone through his goo head or whatever. So Yeah, exactly. Um, I gave this as much as a five on characterization. Quark says Rom has a shit job. And... Um, I think he really just misses his brother and probably also feels like his way of life is kind of under attack in some way when Rom chooses to do something else for a living. I think that's why he's shitty yeah. about it. I assume so, too. Uh, Rom is now all about respect and responsibility. He's sure he's going to have it from his engineering comrades if he works hard enough. Um, he's a real clown who's also the best fucking engineer we've decided. He's way smarter than O'Brien, and he and Lita have been getting close, and now he's like an expert on Coast Moran, or Coast Moran? What do they call that? The yeah, cast it's, out. It's exactly. Yeah. Uh, O'Brien is so scared of his wife. More scared of her than the creature in charge of her. He just seems yeah. mad at the creature, but when he thinks he has to tell his wife about her dead plants, he's a real wiener about it trying to get Bashir to do it, trying to get the little girl to do it. Mm-hmm. Also, he's so shitty to his team every day that his grumpy asshole briefing he gives doesn't even face them. <laughs> no, no one says dick. Like, uh-huh. This is what it's like here. <laughs> no one, they don't even look at each other and say, that's what happens when you eat corned beef hash every day for breakfast. This is, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um... Bashir's obviously making an excuse when he tells Keiko he left somebody on the operating table to come bring her a plant. But does he think anyone mm-hmm. will believe that? Mm-mm. You you left somebody on the operating table to bring me a small potted plant. Even in the age of future tech, that would be a shitty thing to do. Yeah. Odo believes in paw wraiths, and now everybody will. Also, oh yeah. Also, for somehow because his detective senses, maybe he eventually figures out it's O'Brien. Listen, there's a fucking minute here that we don't see where O'Brien rolls back up and says, "Okay, listen, everybody. My wife was possessed by a paw wraith <laughs> in the fire caves, and the paw wraith wanted me to kill the prophets, but I turned it around on him. <laughs> I shot the runabout the paw wraith was in with the chronotons." Uh-huh. And then Cisco's got to go. Okay. <laughs> Paul Wraiths. That's right. That's uh I don't know, man. Apparently I'm the emissary around here, so maybe it could be. Yeah, I wonder if there's any way that they can since she just reads his cake, I wonder if there's any way that that can be proven. You know? 
it does seem like it's going to be difficult. Maybe the runabout was recording all of that. I mean, it seems like where she said that won't even see it coming. Or and it does seem like Keiko remembers being in there when the other one was in charge, yeah, so that's she true. can back him up. But still, um, uh, let's see. <laughs> Fuck God, Worf tries to be nice to his new frenemy O'Brien <laughs> in his in his little league scene. Uh, Dax has always... He gives up real easy, even after O'Brien says some disturbing shit in that conversation. Like, if you went up to a friend and you were like, hey, I heard your wife broke her leg. Uh, Is there anything I can do to help? And the guy's just like, I wish you could. I really wish you could. I really wish you could. (laughs) Wouldn't you be like, holy shit, are you okay? Yeah, the shit's bad over there. There's some bad stuff happening. But yeah, you're right. Worf's just like, well, I tried. Uh... Again, Dax has always found anomalies to be very relaxing. <laughs> Just a crazy thing to say. Everyone believes this explanation. Yep. Cisco is vexed by this sabotage, but also knows a kid needs to call their dad sometimes. And let's smell Brian out <laughs> yep. of the meeting to talk to him. Go ahead and take it. <laughs> he's, he's frustrated, you can tell, but he's, again, I don't know what it is. Whenever there's anything having to do with Cisco and kids, he suddenly becomes a better actor. But the, his frustrated, <laughs> yeah, go ahead and take it. It was so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, five for me. Um, I mean, Ben's a four. Yeah, I think we. You already covered all that yeah. shit. Uh, okay, first of all, O'Brien is pure trash. The episode starts with him trying to shift all blame for taking care of plants in his quarters. Yes. To Julian. Yes. Then he immediately assumes he's getting special birthday sex from Keiko. Uh huh. Then he gets pretty far along a plan to kill the wormhole aliens. And even after he learns that paw wraiths are probably involved, when the computer tells him there are like 6,000 entries on it, he just gives up. Yeah. Finally, he railroads Rom. (laughs) He really does. He fucks Rom good in this one. I get that he was in a bad situation this week. Mm -hmm. But Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, O'Brien looks like the worst piece of shit in this episode. And frankly, he's looked pretty bad on Deep Space Nine. Just in general. The only way I can make sense of Rom falling for this obvious below quark level subterfuge O'Brien is doing Mm -hmm. is if he is all in on the Federation being the good guys. Yeah. Like he is, he's like, he's born again into the Federation. (laughs) He's all in in the way an adult born again Christian is all in. I think that's true. Um, but in that case, he should be pretty crestfallen to see that O'Brien is just another two-bit schemer, right? Except you know he's gonna like if he really is that deep into it, he's gonna justify all of it after he finds out what happened. He's gonna be like, "Oh, okay, well that's, he was trying to save those wormhole aliens after I told but, him but about I mean, them." In that moment when he says oh, yeah. to O'Brien, "Odo and Cisco don't know about any of this, do they?" Mm-hmm. And O'Brien says, "No, they don't." At that point, that should be a real fucking bummer for Rom, huh? This guy's just another fucking quark. There's just no better here in the Federation. A good excuse for him to start screaming for Mookie, for sure. Yeah. 
uh like he's given up his whole ferengi identity for this anyway uh odo hasn't acclimated to being human yet if corned beef beef for breakfast o'brien can take him out with one backhand like that you know he always talks about how he doesn't carry guns he should probably start carrying one it's time to start carrying a gun bud maybe or just a riot shield just carry a riot (laughs) shield and talk through the little plexiglass Cause I'm you back. ain't got it right now. You you thought you scared me away, but look, I'm back. You can see me through the little window here. Uh, Cisco had a real weird tone when he asked O'Brien what he was doing on the promenade. Yeah. Like he thinks maybe he pushed Keiko off that ledge. That's <laughs> true. She falls off that thing. Hey, they always suspect O'Brien, the husband. Next second, Cisco's like, "What were you doing on the promenade?" And O'Brien's like, I was on the way to the replica. Yeah, to he's have like, lunch. you were supposed to be but in it, the upper pylons or something like that. Yeah, but it's like, hey man, everybody saw her just cartwheel over that fucking ledge. Yeah. What do you think O'Brien had her like an invisible rope tied around her chest and just pulled it? Yeah, he put in a cheat. He can use ragdoll physics now. <laughs> just ragdoll it right over the railing. So, given how scared Julian is of Keiko and how scared O'Brien is of Keiko and Cisco's immediate conclusion that maybe O'Brien pushed her. (laughs) Is their relationship violent and we just haven't seen it? I would not be surprised at all. When Quark is like, oh, they're fucking bickering. Does, does he mean that they beat each other up? Maybe. Is that why Bashir is fucking creeping outside too? Yeah. Yeah, look, uh, it's almost like they shouldn't have gotten married. I know we haven't said that yeah. here before, but it's it's almost like that. Anyway, everyone else is literally rules. Like you said, Cisco has one good moment. Um, Keiko can't earn characterization points because she's not herself this week. No. Uh... O'Brien is so is such a shit. Even aside from the situation, like again, just in the rapper, he's a shit. Yep. So I can't see higher than a three. Fair enough. Uh, what about world building? No, I did world building. <laughs> Wait. Oh, so, do you want quick hitters? Quick hitters. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> That was weird. What about quick well, I thought I thought you were referencing the fact that I got confused about who was supposed to do world building. No, we're both just... Um, no, exactly on our game. We're both exactly on our game. I fucking burned out all my energy talking about that weird Voyager. <laughs> what about quick hitters is what I meant. Quick hitters, sure, yeah. Is this what the chief eats for breakfast every day? The dude must be blocked up. Oh, uh, yeah. Hella gross. Uh, gross, nasty, oh, nasty, clingy shits. Nasty as hell. <laughs> And I said, oh, nasty man, don't show me role play stuff. And then I said, never mind, this is worse than role play stuff. <laughs> At some point in this episode, I wondered, was Bashir going to say, I, I've never performed surgery. <laughs> this is fucking operating table excuses getting weaker and weaker. Yeah. Um, Hey, O'Brien's super lucky that the computer's not a narc, but like. If O'Brien's search history ever comes up in court, he's going to be in trouble. Like, they're going to be like, and do you remember on Stardate uh, 50101 when you asked how long would it take to incapacitate <laughs> Keiko O'Brien with anesthetine gas? How long would it take to uh, incapacitate true. Keiko O'Brien uh, you better have a with a phaser? Lawyer. Yeah, it's... 
hey, it's going to be bad that you asked all those questions, bud. Especially when he started looking up, uh, when he asked the computer, how long would it take to incapac- uh, incapacitate Keiko minus a paw wraith? And then computer, what's assuming there are you- no paw wraiths, <laughs> how long would it take to incapacitate Keiko O'Brien? So I just want to be clear. The first thing you asked was to confirm that Keiko O'Brien was really Keiko O'Brien. <laughs> 100% confirmation of that. And then you asked how long it would take to wipe her out. Well, good. Good. Cool. This is going to work well. Then later that same day, you asked what the Bajoran laws were on marrying your cousin. <laughs> so, do you want to explain? Yeah. Now that Keiko's dead and you are married to your cousin, uh, how this isn't murder? At the very least, it's more uh, more evidence Keiko can use when she definitely wins custody of that kid. Even after O'Brien has explained to everyone what's up at the end of the episode... They're all going to remember, right, that he had one drink at his birthday party and smashed the whiskey glass in his hand out of rage and frustration. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, that, he's, who would ex- he's going to rehab for sure, right? Who would expect it from this guy, the guy who comes in and strong arms the barkeep and, like, bends his arm all fucking back like he's going to snap it off. <laughs> you know, when he's having another bad day. Was that when he got out of that uh, prison, that mind prison? <laughs> yes. God, he's had a hard time. Uh, it was a, it is a point established in this series, Matt, that Keiko knows Miles less well than she thinks. I invite you please to re, uh, relitigate the issue of afternoon coffee. That's right. You, um, but it just doesn't come up in this, like in this episode, she's just like, I know you better than you know yourself, Miles. Miles. And it's like, sploosh. There should have been a scene where she like popped out of a corridor and he wasn't there, and she was like, oh, I was sure he was going to be there. <laughs> I'm just saying, she keeps talking this whole episode about how well Keiko knows Miles yes. and how he's not going to get away with anything. And I just kept thinking, uh, there was, there that, was that episode, time. though. He would where never she was have like, an afternoon listen, coffee. Listen, Commander Sisko, I am morally certain that that wasn't Miles. He never drinks coffee. And at the end of the episode, Miles is like, I drink coffee in the afternoon most days. Yeah, like, you just don't watch me at work. All the time. You don't see me at work. Yeah, you don't do a Beverly Crusher and come watch me while I work. I, I always have coffee. This is like the time when you said I only shit once a day because the rest of the time I'm at work. <laughs> and you don't see that I, you don't know that I prefer the head in the upper pile. It was really weird. You told me uh, you think I'm only awake for about an hour a day. I thought that was a strange one too. Do you? What do you think happens when I leave odd, the room? Like, you know, when I'm not in our quarters, I'm still awake and doing stuff, right? Uh, Rom has tried to kill Quark like dickety times. Why does O'Brien think he won't recognize this shady behavior? That's exactly right. It's a crazy plan where he's like, "Well, I guess I'll need two people because I'm on this clock." And it's like, it immediately goes south. You can't involve a second person in your insane sabotage plan. No. <laughs> Just not a good plan. Uh, I guess Rom must be down with icing the wormhole aliens as long as his good buddy, the Chief, thinks it's cool. Because at no point does Chief O'Brien say, don't worry about it, Rom. I'm not going to let them kill the wormhole <laughs> aliens. He just says to Rom, you're just going to have to keep quiet for a little longer, buddy. Yep. And Rom's like, I know the deal. And it's, Rom's not like, so are you. Cause I, are you going to kill him? I don't think we should kill him. I'm probably going to tell Odo about it. Uh, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I'm glad you've got the delivery down. Thank you. The <laughs> delivery is uh, 90% of Rom. He does do a lot of those, uh, where he leads into the line. <laughs> 
Um, best actor, Keiko as a paw wraith. Worst actor, Molly. But since that doesn't count, anyone on the swing shift. Yeah, they weren't good at all. Um, let's see. Well, Ben just says all the acting was weird in this episode. It's not wrong. It's kind of right. Uh, I didn't even take any quick hitters. All the acting's weird in Star Trek. I think that's true. I don't think I don't think you'd call it conventional acting most of the time. Rare, uh, rarely, rarely to never. Next one, <sighs> number three. Cool. All right, cool. So we only have one more episode to discuss this week. Unfortunately, it is the episode Darmok. So fucking buckle in. This week we watch Darmok. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Enterprise is en route to Eladrell, an uninhabited world, having been summoned by a mysterious race called the Children of Tama, mm. or Tamarians. Yeah. I don't know who they learned these names from, but uh, they this race, they have an interesting history with them. They've had seven encounters. Everything's been cool. Everyone's been real chill. Can't talk to them at all. Right. Uh, other captains are writing hella racist stuff in there like these guys are incomprehensible and they smell bad <laughs> or whatever. Right. Uh, but they these guys have been sending math signals at them, so they're like, hey, we think they're going to finally try and communicate. They found the right man for the job and they want to try and communicate. Yes, the loud bug screech of this episode. Exactly. Um, they roll up on a pretty big warship. And, um, but don't worry about it. As soon as they get on the hailing frequencies, the nice captain of the ship starts telling a story about, uh, Rai and Jiri and Lunga. And I cannot emphasize this enough. It is very obvious that he's talking about two people from different lands meeting for the first time. (laughs) Yes. Well, that is a problem with the episode is that it takes everyone a very long time to figure out that these things are metaphors or examples. It is so clear. It's amazingly, astoundingly clear, this story that he's telling. Mm-hmm. But everyone on the bridge just gapes open mouth. Flies all going in and out. And Data's <laughs> fillings are drying up. <laughs> like, they haven't got the first fucking clue what's happening. Uh-huh. Uh, Picard goes hard. Immediately proposes a mutual non-aggression It's pack. kind of an insane move to be like, uh, yeah, I didn't understand any of that, but do you guys just want to be like, like military allies, probably. Do you want to shoot people <laughs> together? What do you? What's best for you guys? Listen, the Romulans are trying to interfere in the Klingon Empire, and we need allies. <laughs> the Bo- the Borg were here recently, and we'd like you to take a shot at them. We think you're the man for the job. You would not believe how much the Borg suck. <laughs> it's a wild, um, but it. It's no use. The guys on the other bridge have no idea what it means. The first officer laughs it up until he gets shushed, and then he's pretty ashamed. Um, As they watch, the Temerians rattle off a bunch of incidents, which, again, it's pretty obvious that the captain is proposing a new plan that the first officer thinks is risky. Yeah. Finally, the captain announces... um, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra and kidnaps Picard. Uh, he pulls out yes. two daggers. That old gambit. Uh, then, exactly. <laughs> then their ship uh, pull, 
uh, creates a particle scattering field that prevents Enterprise from retrieving him. But they can tell that Picard and the captain are on the surface, even if they can't talk to him. Right. Um, Riker just says opinions or whatever, and Worf <laughs> immediately assumes that it's a contest between champions because he's seen Arena. He also, um, he saw that captain was high, was decorated. And he was he was also decorated. That's usually how he decides. <laughs> and he did what's have happening. two. He did have two daggers, and yep. Worf was like, I don't know. It seems like if this guy or regularly fought with two daggers, he wouldn't have had to borrow his first officer's dagger for this. So, <laughs> That's true. is one of them must be for Picard? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he immediately assumes it's a contest. Down on the surface, the alien captain approaches Picard with his two daggers, and he does throw one at Picard's feet, but Picard throws it back. He ain't gonna fight this guy. I will not fight you. Uh, it's a real Kirk moment for Picard. <laughs> the disappointed captain walks away. Riker calls up the Tamarian ship again. This guy, first officer on this ship, is not a Kazago here. He just speaks in the usual riddles. Oh, dumb, dumb Riker just... I was <laughs> Go going to suggest that we just call him Kazago to make it easier, but I guess he's... he's we, we never learn his name, so he might... Let's call him Tuzago, because he's Tamarian, <laughs> and then... Uh, dumb, dumb Riker just gives up on talking and has Worf prepare a shuttle rescue party. Mm-hmm. Uh, night falls on the planet. Picard is not successful at getting a fire going. Yeah. The Temerian captain gets a couple of good laughs in, some good-natured ribbing. <laughs> tries again to explain what's going on, and then, I guess, just casts some oracle bones? Yeah, he does. A lie like, he over definitely, He definitely casts oracle bones a few times, lays some totems around his camp, and uh, lays down to sleep. Yeah. Picard paces around in the cold, keeps him awake, though. Picard, and, uh, the, the, the learned captain who is an explorer in his heart. Mm-hmm. No interest in anything this guy's doing. Just uh, entirely uninterested uh-huh. at all in any of it. Um, But he's keeping this guy up, so he uh, throws him a firebrand and keeps keep saying Tamba over and over again. And Picard fucking finally <laughs> tries to figure out what it means. And maybe he sort of does, although the way he shouts, thank you, like this guy's deaf, is not a great sign. <laughs> Bro, it's dark. Think how many hours they've been there. And this is his first <laughs> attempt to do anything. Ugh. Yep. Um, but at least Picard doesn't freeze to death. Um, Worf's shuttle mission catches a plasma bolt from the Temerians, but it's like exactly enough to force him to return. Mm-hmm. Oh, this guy Jordan knows that he, hate, he, he can... hated this idea, but he knows the game plan. This Tazago. Uh huh. Yeah, he knows what's up. Exactly. He well, they're doing a standard uh, Darmok and Jalada Tanagra, even though it's never worked. Yes, that's right. Zero times has it gone away with either side knowing what was happening. This guy is immediately like whoever his sails unfurled, which I'm pretty sure is him saying, "Let's just get out of here." <laughs> yep. Um. But yeah. So yeah, he right. He knows the game plan for sure. Um, Worf wants to uh, so Jordy thinks he can punch a hole in the scattering field if Picard can hold out on the surface for at least a day Worf wants to start a shooting warp because he's frustrated obviously like he literally says at least it would end this stalemate which is not a good reason he's a dangerous person to have at the weapons console for sure Um, but Troy and Riker are becoming less convinced that the Temerian intent is hostile and so Riker finally and as you said before, hours have passed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Many hours. 
finally gives the order to try and figure out the language and puts Troy and Data on the job. <laughs> There's no one more qualified on this ship than the Dream Team. The dynamic duo right back at it. He, he has heard good things about what they were doing when he was on the Hathaway. He has heard good things about how they solved that one moon circles problem oh, while he was taking it. a nap. That time that Data uh, uh, stopped the Borg and Troy was in the room. That's right. That's pretty good. It's the dream team. You're going to want these guys working on it together. Yep. Picard wakes up and finds the Temerian captain missing, has a cheeky look at all the little ornaments and the clipboard that this guy has at the campsite. Mm-hmm. He's got real neat, precise handwriting, but it's uh, it's a weird visual language. There's no way. And uh, he... Meanwhile, on the ship, Troy and Data work out that Darmok and Tanagra are references to the mythology of Chantel Three. Yeah, and they seem to have a eureka moment. That's right. Yeah, I think they but fucking solved it. Don't get excited. <laughs> on the planet, the Tamarian captain returns, and he is agitated about something, and he tries to give Picard a knife again. And Picard is about to refuse the knife, but he hears some snarling cap coming from behind the captain. Yeah. And up on the ship, Worf detects a possible life form approaching, and they assume attacking Picard. Jordy isn't quite ready to beam up the captain, and he tells him, look, this is going to fail, but we could try it in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the fucking moment when Picard finally starts to understand that it's all metaphors. Yep. <laughs> the thing that should when have been clear like, from the beginning. This guy's like Uzani, his army with fists open, and Picard's like, you want to encircle him? I'm getting it. Yeah. Um, But the creature attacks, and Picard gets a swipe right across the chest, so you can see that he still keeps it pretty tight. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, the alien captain goes down, too, and this is the moment when Picard is suddenly being beamed out and can't help, and this old boy gets his ass beat yeah. while Enterprise is trying to beam Picard out. It's like Picard just gets... Being, utterly jumped. It's like Picard's being held back by this monster's body or something. Exactly. It's tough. <laughs> Riker is confused that the Temerian ship won't let up even with their captain under attack, but it, the whole thing fails anyway, and Picard just rematerializes on the planet as the creature moves off, because I guess it's had enough ass beating for now. <laughs> well, what they didn't show you was this guy was desperate for this creature to attack, because that's the whole plan, is that they're supposed to team yep. up and fight this creature. And he fought during the so night, he's for thinking, sure. This guy thinks he has showed Dave, this captain well, he, he, to leave him the fuck alone. He thinks, like, for sure, for sure, sometime during the night, this monster's gonna attack, and it doesn't. So he gets up real early, and he goes, he finds the monster, and he tugs on he the fucking, monster's tail, he, and he fucking exactly. kicks it, and he fucking shouts in its face until it finally agrees to follow him back here. The monster had cause, for sure. Oh, 100%, the monster was the aggrieved party. <laughs> yeah, There's no question. He had to and fucking And it thinks that it's that beaten thing. Dathan up yes, enough. It's a, now you've had enough, bitch, and walked away. Exactly. <laughs> um, Picard finds the alien captain in a bad way. Riker holds a conference. He needs Jordy to knock out the Temerian scattering field, because if that creature comes back, Picard is going to be alone, because they can tell that the Temerian captain is going to die. Yeah. Uh, once Worf and Jordy fuck off to work on that plan, Picard, I mean, Data and Troy, who, again, I remind you, seemed like they just had a fucking epiphany. They looked at each other like uh, three scenes ago. We cracked the case on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have some bad news to break to Riker. Uh, because the Temerians have no sense of self-identity, and I don't know why they think this, 
And because the narrative from which the metaphors are drawn, though it seems like they never even asked the computer what fucking happened at Tanagra or who Jalad was, <laughs> yeah. are, are not part of their uh, their cultural understanding, it's it's just impossible. It'll never happen. Can't talk to him ever. Just, Don't worry yeah. about it. Can't be done. Yep. <sighs> Meanwhile, Picard is watching over the dying captain, and he finally asks him, to explain who the fuck Darmok is. Mm-hmm. And with the help of some tan bark and a park bench, the captain gives him some outlines of the story. The two arrive separately at Tanagra, fight a beast, and leave together. Yeah. The scenario the Temerian captain is trying to recreate. Then this guy who's coughing blood into a handkerchief and everything, just like you would do in a movie, <laughs> uh, Asks Picard to tell him a story, and Picard tells him the story of Gilgamesh. Yeah, but he doesn't tell it in metaphor. He just tells him the plot. Yeah. The idiot. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And this guy humors him, and he laughs about it. He says, Gilgamesh. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> and, stupid. And Kidu. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this guy has a great sense of timing, because he dies exactly at the end of the story. Yeah, he does. Enterprise is preparing to fire on the Temerian ship when they detect that the uh, captain has died and that the creature is returning. So Riker says, all right, we're doing it, and fires on the Temerian ship, uh, which disables the field long enough to beam Picard back. Uh, Picard immediately runs for the bridge as the Temerians start firing back on Enterprise, and it's a fucking good thing because this ship whips Enterprise's ass. Yep, for sure, with a mean, like a mean schizophrenia voice would. Like, that's how hard. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, they disable the engines. It's curtains for old Enterprise. Um, But luckily, Picard reaches the bridge and hails him, and he strings together a few metaphors (laughs) to explain what happened. But he acts like he's fluent. He does act like he's fluent. He offers up the captain's notebook, and he learns that the captain's name was Dathan, and he gets to keep the knife. Um... Later, Riker goes to talk to Picard, who is a little bit in love with Captain Dathan, just like me. <laughs> and then he does the little prayer gesture he saw Dathan do as he looks out of his Borg window. The end. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, It has all of the good and bad of TNG, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, Matt, what's this big one about? What's this big, what's this meaty boy about? It went pretty basic with um, mutual trust will get you further than mutual suspicion. Picard talks about patience and imagination, but only shows paranoia in the beginning. And that ends up getting Dathan killed. I'm that in the uh, transporter. Whoopsie. <laughs> they roll up on these guys with the understanding that they've never been able to communicate them with before. Mm-hmm. And then just fucking gape at Again, them Picard when they talk. Has the line, a little bit of patience and imagination. And then he walks out onto the bridge. And like you said, just looks at him like, what the fuck are these guys fucking saying? Anyway, you guys want to be best friends? It's like he didn't show either patience or imagination. No. It's so wild. Once he starts to trust the guy, he figures the whole thing out. It's Gene's Star Trek, right? Like, yeah. You just like go into it with a good fucking, good fucking attitude, bro. <laughs> like try to make it work and you'll make it work. Uh, it's just a six for me, but, um, but very Yeah, Gene. fucking change your latitude. That's right. Uh, ben had it as an eight. He said, uh, intention and commitment to understanding can help bridge communication gaps, uh, trek as it gets. So, and then he says, alt take, Navajo was hard for the axis to figure out, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know if that's what this episode was doing, but sure. Uh, do you know, it's like, 
it wouldn't be it's not crazy to think of a version of this where there's a, a romulan captain rolls up also and only picard manages to yes to do the thing i mean we've seen that before with the iconians but like and with um danger gom too and with gom too yeah. like it would really be the romulans they probably would have been tempted to do tomalock though and I'm not sure it would have been a good look for our boy. Yeah, and they would have. Those guys would have. Those guys would have fired their disruptors instead of having Riker do his. You know the thing he does where he says, "Give me double phasers, though. I want, <laughs> what the f- I, want <laughs> I want the phasers to be like ten fa. I want ten phasers all to shoot from one point, though. I, can you move all the phasers to the same point of the ship? Set set phasers to more phasers. <laughs> more phasers. Replicate fifty more phasers and use those. Um. Yeah, uh, I'm here's here it is. Uh, understanding one another is one of life's greatest challenges, but the alternative is anger and loneliness. There you go. Uh, this is a very Star Trek episode. Picard and Dathan both want to understand each other so badly to work through their differences, and no one holds a grudge even when things go bad. Uh, everyone's committed to this mission of peace and understanding, but the take is highly metaphorical because yeah. we can't be contriving situations to make ourselves understood all the time. So, uh, it's a six from me. Yeah. Um, in terms of execution, Ben is a six. He says our boys all seem pretty stupid in this one, yep. but the effect is to have a good episode. Right at the top, Wrecker says educated guesses, but they don't know anything. Um, among the thousand scientists and shit, they don't have one linguist yeah, like Hoshi. She, he says. I guess was and, rare. Yeah. And uh, also, he's also somehow the thought of using gestures doesn't occur to anyone. Nope. Uh, well, Worf had never Picard heard of it. already figured out. You remember when Worf <laughs> exactly. first discovers the idea of um, yes. silent communication and his whole existence is opened up before him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> boy, that is true. He does think this Reva shit <laughs> is going to be a whole new level, huh? Yep. Uh, he says Picard already figured out Temba his arms wide, but was plot stupid with the offered knife when that monster starts roaring. Yeah. Um, but he does have a hot take here. Uh, he says that Dathan is probably a good dude, but it occurs to him that he was after glory and he, he wants to get Picard and Dathan and Eladrell like into the lexicon. Oh, hell yeah, he does. Uh, Dathan is a real cowboy for sure. Yes, he is. Like, he takes a huge risk. The, so far, we've had nothing but peaceful relations, even though we can't talk to these guys. But uh, let's... What if we What if we steal their captain? Yep. Um, yeah, definite cowboy. And uh, I will start my talk on execution sort of in the, in the same vein here, which is... It's unsatisfying how slow they make everyone think this week, Mm -hmm. just so they can get through all of the drama of this episode in the 42 minutes. And it's also unsatisfying how super impatient everyone is. Yeah. Again, Uh, when you... There's no clock. When you consider what he says in the teaser, he... Picard says with his mouth that what it's going to take is patience and imagination. And I don't know why they but had him not, say those things. It's it's not just our guys that are impatient. Nope. Dathan says two sentences and then goes straight to abduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troy and Data don't even make an attempt to find out the rest of the metaphors. What if they were all from Chantel 3 yeah. and then you can work it all out, right? Yep. 
But they do come up with a half-cocked racial assessment of the ability of the Temerian mind to understand their place in the universe and declare that communication is impossible. Yeah. And then Picard proves it's super fucking easy if you just listen for a second and get out some graph paper. That's right. At every step of the way, Riker does the wrong thing and he almost loses the ship. Everyone comes off as petulant babies who get super frustrated when the first thing they try fails. It's not that fun to watch. Do love that Captain Dathon, though. I gave it a four. Dathon's pretty great. Yeah, I have here that Dathon is like the James Kirk of Tamar. He's like, <laughs> I fucking got it. We go down there. We knife fight a monster together. We're best friends afterward. Boom. Easy. <laughs> fucking forces Picard down there and gets fucking killed for his trouble. But it works. It does work. Huge balls on this guy. So that's a plus. It is Picard and Dathan at Eladrell going forward. 100%. Um, Picard figuring it out and making friends with this guy, albeit way too late, is also... That's a good part of this episode to watch. Yeah, listen, it's a lovely scene when he's dying around the campfire and Picard's working it all out on the ocean mm-hmm. and uh, and then he tells him the, tells him what he remembers of the epic of Gilgamesh <laughs> and it's a little bit of metaphor, but Gilgamesh is so sad when his new friend Enkidu dies and yeah. it's like, that's how I'm going to feel about you when you're gone, buddy. You can't understand because I'm not um, telling it the way you tell it, but you know. I know you don't understand any of I this. Keep saying, and then probably- Enkidu did this. Plus, you keep talking about how all the fireworks and you think your granddaddy's here and it's uh, Papa. It's, a, it's hard to watch, but like, uh, you know, it's a good scene, right? That's a very, it's very touching. Paul Winfield, of course, is super good as Dathan. Yes, the guy, he's, of course, from the Star Trek 2. He's got a fucking phaser his head or whatever rather than kill Kirk. That guy did not <laughs> want to kill James Kirk. No. Yeah. Um, that scene with Ashley Judd before the monster attacks is pure technobabble garbage with dramatic music behind it, and I hated it. None of <laughs> it was, was for anything. Scene. Uh, again, I need the, hey, I need the, I need the variance at point five. Okay, <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> we keep getting the readout of how where we are with the fucking variance. So stupid. Uh, like we all have already talked about, the Enterprise crew comes off pretty bad. A bunch of assholes. Uh, this monster is some cheesy bullcrap. Um, Listen, I think I, I think I, we probably haven't said this, but this is definitely the reason we're doing this project is because this is about as far as I got. Maybe I got farther when I had the bad pneumonia. <laughs> yeah. And I, I kickstarted this watch for me and I was like, Data and Troy are so useless and everyone gives up so quick and it it's really hard to watch. Yeah, it's not good. Um, I still thought there's more positive than negative in this one. I gave it another six. It's like that one, that part of the episode where the characters have to be competent is a big fail. But yes. it's other, otherwise, it's moving in the right direction. Um, world um, building. How, what, did you think they did some world building? Uh, ben gave it a big old score, gave it a six. Uh, he's talked about Picard's new jacket, which looked very ugly. I, I remembered it being ugly, but then I saw it this week and I went, wow, that thing's gross. I would never wear that. This, this is the only episode with this version of the jacket. Ah, uh, okay. The leather shoulders disappear and become the same suede material, just in a dark gray after this. Okay. So that'll probably look better. It looked very ugly. Yeah. Um, he, he talks about the language structure of the aliens. Um, blah, 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 blah. Tamarian captain casts his uniform pins like, uh, yep, like we talked about before. The Tamarian ship is strong. That's a six. Um, boy, I was much less. 
it seems like everything this week is about the alien of the week, which is a yeah. problem. We got the Eladrel system, the children of Tama. Nobody's ever been able to communicate with them because they speak in metaphors, but also they're not jerks. They're just like... Yeah, they seem like... And by the way, thank God, because these guys can wipe out a Galaxy-class ship. Yeah, probably their lack of ability to communicate with other people good has made them focus on getting their shit right. <laughs> um, I also said I hated Picard's jacket. Uh, Data says he's encountered over a thousand different species. So yeah. that gives you an idea of how many are hanging around out there. I, I believe he means well, sentient. Well, if, if you think about it, there are only 18 of them on the Enterprise, so... Mm-hmm. What? The rest of them have just been on all these planets of the week. But again, Data's been in Starfleet for lo- longer than anybody on the ship. Every maybe including Picard. Every time he says it, it seems like it's a much bigger number. <laughs> I can't believe it's 26 years. That seems like so much. Um, and that is where I actually got the point from. I gave it one point for world building. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um. Well, uh, so I guess it is a world building point that their universal translator can't catch everything although it's doing so much of the heavy yep, lifting it does all the hard work all the way to darmok and Jalot at tanagra mm-hmm. like it's figured out what word in their language means at yes it figured at it out is tricky that's not at is not easy if you go to french or spanish like let alone whatever these idiots it do. used its anyway. magic power that it always uses to instantly know the things right. it shouldn't know but it, it it even gets all the proper nouns and everything like it understands what's happening it's just a metaphor uh Enterprise got new shuttles. This is the first appearance of a Type 6. Oh. Uh, Picard got a new jacket. The ship must not have a linguist. Yeah. And that's wild, given the mission mm-hmm. of Enterprise. Like, oh. did they have a linguist in Season 1? But after the Borg, they're like, okay, the reality is... Also, the Cardassians are acting up. So the reality is... We're not actually Enterprise is not going to be doing as much exploration right now, just because like right now, geopolitically, astropolitically, uh, we kind of need you to be doing some show on the flag stuff. So let's get some of those wacky scientists. Remember when they had a 20th century historian on board? Anyway, <laughs> oh, you know, no why. linguist. They have definitely assumed data is going to fill that role because he's an encyclopedia. And it turns out that's not good enough. <laughs> No. Uh, or alternately, maybe Riker forgot they had one and just gave Data and Troy the job because they were in the room. Someone really should have spoken up. Uh, we shouldn't get Lieutenant Rogers in here, the linguist. You remember he was on the thing uh, last time? No? Okay. Uh, it's just a two for me. Just a two. Okay. Uh, characterization. Uh, well, Ben's a three. Picard doesn't quite know how to make a fire. Everyone has plot-induced stupidity. Yeah. I don't disagree. Who looks good this week? Worf thinks Dathan is challenging Picard to 300 passes. Mm-hmm. Riker is kill-crazy as usual. Mm-hmm. The D- Dream Team reunites and are somehow <laughs> less helpful than when Picard had them analyze Riker in peak performance. So they're one and two, if you count the one moon circles thing as a success. Right. Uh, Picard takes forever to even try to understand what Dathan is saying, and it's an awful look. Yes. He, does, he tells a nice story to his dying bro, and he manages to rattle off a few metaphors on the bridge, and I'm sure in his report, he comes off great. Mm-hmm. But he this week he's kind of just an impatient dildo who can't make a fire. And 
again, he got 99% of the way to making a fire. He could have brute forced it, but he just gave up and decided to stomp around <laughs> complaining about how cold he was. Yep. Uh, Dathan's great, but he's dead. So characterization-wise, I also only gave it a three. Okay. Let's see if I have anything different. Uh, Picard is initially excited for the challenge of talking to these guys, but we already <laughs> talked about it. He doesn't he doesn't back up what he says in that first scene. Um, won't even sit next to the guy when it's camping time. No. How hard would that be to show, like, I'm interested in learning about you and communicating with you can i'm just gonna sit over here by you and we're just gonna try to work this out like you said he yeah it's like he's been kidnapped but he's already decided he's not gonna fight this guy so yeah might as well take a seat and see what you can do you great explorer but no you're right he's a petulant child and he stomps around in the fucking dust and by the way accuses the guy of trying to murder him for no reason (laughs) he thinks the guy's gonna try to murder him he's like you stay over there by your fire don't come over here and kill me um again takes Picard an insane amount of time to realize it's all speaking in metaphor (sighs) even if you don't know what the metaphors mean it is obvious from the first line spoken that that is what they are doing Mm -hmm. if you don't know what the metaphor means you know it's a metaphor but he doesn't figure it out till he's on that planet for hours data's like uh they're saying they're, they're saying proper names people and places and Picard's not like yeah it sounds like they're they're discussing this in terms of past incidents that they know about. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can infer some of what that means. Mm -hmm. What I liked was Picard big dogging Riker so bad walks onto the bridge of this broken (laughs) ship speaking what he thinks Uh is fluent to Marion and saves Uh the day while Riker shits his pants in the back. And then Riker (laughs) goes new friends, captain. And Picard manages not to say, yeah, no thanks to you. And your fucking Ambo Jitsu CTE. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't does have CTE. He just. He does not say, uh, if I review the logs, am I going to find out that you started this fight? <laughs> it's crazy that Riker immediately starts kissing up to him and just tries to act like nothing, nothing that has happened in the last 10 hours or whatever really took place. He's just like, new friends, Captain. We did it. You and me. What a piece of shit. Uh, again, if I review the records, just like I made you do when you came on board the ship in Farpoint, uh-huh. am I going to find out that you shot these guys? <laughs> am I going to find out that you were frustrated by a stalemate by any chance? And then he just looks at Worf. Again, a famously bad episode from Riker, Troy and Data. Riker hates these guys and wants to shoot the fuck out of them. He tells his acting captain's log he's out of patience, which won't be helpful uh-huh. when he's in trouble for starting this big space war. <laughs> for sure. Like, let's say he manages to defeat this Temerian ship, and but now it is war, and he's got to explain what happened to the Federation. Yeah. This log is not going to look good. It's going to hang around his fucking neck for sure. Uh, Data and Troy on the way to a solution when, as always, they botch the ending. Data gives a shitty face when the computer says there are 47 entries for Darmok. He's got a hyper brain. It should take him one second to figure out those 47 entries. But he makes a shitty face like, fuck, I'm not doing that. 47 so many. Worf has a lot of confidence in Picard as a warrior. Um... 
The whole crew needs to learn how to control their faces. You were not lying in that scene when they first talked to him. Everyone's <laughs> mugging like crazy. It's just fucking panning across the bridge while everyone is going, can you? But they're on screen. Yeah, they're giving the Darth Vader what faces that you, he would be able to see if that guy didn't have a mask on. Every every member of the Enterprise bridge crew and also Tazago yeah. would all be caught masturbating on Zoom. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, look, I'd like to give them credit for having their hearts in the right place. I'm just not convinced about that. So I could only give it a three as well. <laughs> um, Boy, did you have any extra thoughts that don't fit in any of those categories that you've maybe written down in the section oh, you we mean call quick world hitters? Building. Oh, yeah. Okay. Quick hitters. Uh, <laughs> just imagine it's the early 90s. And you're channel surfing. And you come across this scene where the alien captain is arguing with his second. And it goes on for like three full minutes, just yelling nonsense at each other. <laughs> and you just smirk. The River Tamark in winter. <laughs> you just smirk and go, Star Trek. And then you change Star the channel Trek. again, because why would you watch that? <laughs> uh, this Dathan guy, we already talked about Star Trek 2. Um, Worf was with my girl Cameron in that shuttle. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's she's like his number two. Yeah, she's always around. Also, fucking Ashley Judd back there. I talked about it earlier. She gets her first appearance in this one. Um, yeah, she boxed out Linda Larson. Oh, hell yeah. It was going to be Linda Larson in that scene with Jordy, but then they were like, hey, Ashley Judd's available. I like to think of it as she market corrected Linda Larson. <laughs> that too. <laughs> <laughs> they were Linda Larson. We were like, hey, then Linda Larson, we might make her a character. And then Ashley Judd showed up and they're like, who the fuck? Get that bitch out of here. It's all Ashley Judd from here on out. You know, Linda Larson could have been a big movie star, but that's how it goes. Not now. Uh, this guy has used the Tanagra Gambit before, and like you said, it has never worked. But you can it's never worked. you can tell the guy is so he is so disheartened when this guy immediately <laughs> goes to Darmok Enchilada Tanagra. That's what I was gonna say. He really argues a lot about you can it. Tell his, to, his first officer fucking hates this plan. This this guy is a real Damon Bach, mm-hmm. frankly. Oh yeah. Uh, Picard sets himself up as Gilgamesh in this story, and Dathan is the wild man from the forest. What a surprise. Uh-huh. That's a good look. What a fucking <laughs> shock on that one. <laughs> um, ben had some quick hitters. Uh, he said, fighting the invisible monster made me think of nearly every arcade video game from the 90s. You know, you can only hurt the boss if you hit him while his back is turned. <laughs> and he thought it looked like Triceratons from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I didn't and remember he includes them. a picture, and he ain't wrong. It was a very cheesy bad alien, for sure. Oh, man. What about you? Um... My first thought is that anybody born after 2000 must think Picard is the dumbest hick in the galaxy because the Temerians speak precisely in memes. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. It is meme speech. Like anyone with a passing familiarity with memes immediately knew. They knew better than I know now yeah. what the, what those two guys were talking oh, yeah, to was, well, about. Oh, yeah. Well, when he goes, two Spider-Men point at each other. And at home, exactly. you're like, I get it. I know what he's saying. I he's saying, they, he's I saying they're stupid and the Enterprise crew is stupid. I got it. Hey, um, did Dathan's boss time box this project? <laughs> like, okay, you can try and make first contact, but I don't want to spend more than three days on this thing. Because otherwise, he's awfully quick to resort to Tanagra. Uh-huh. 
I think he probably would have given it more time, but he saw the looks on all the faces of our boys on the Enterprise and went, nah, this ain't going <laughs> to... I mean, it would have been real discouraging. This ain't going anywhere. <laughs> this is like whoever was at the... Uh, at the con now that Wesley's not there anymore, you audibly said, what the fuck? <laughs> I think he... It was not a good look. He and Tizago had a talk on the way over, and they were like, okay, we agree, we're definitely not doing the Tanagra, right? Like, they were not doing yeah, that. Then, not today. And then they, they saw said, that, and he just went, so I guess we're doing Tanagra, huh? Yeah. Uh, it must be real hard to be the XO on that ship. Like, all your ideas get Tamarked because this guy is so sure he knows what's best. <laughs> Dude. Take that shit to the river, bitch. Yeah, anyway, maybe he'll get to be the captain now. Ah, uh, well, maybe. Uh, Robin Leffler for when Linda Larson just won't do. <laughs> um, If you presume that the other preserver races we've met also can't communicate with these guys, then the Temerians really are alone on the ocean, huh? Oh, well, yeah, that's why they got those sweet ships. Yeah, that's why they got those sweet ships, and it's why Dathan was willing to risk it all like this, because they fucking... The ships are neat, but it's like, they can't talk to nobody. Yeah. They gotta do something. Yep. And these guys didn't shoot at him the first seven times, so... <laughs> that's right, it did take a while, but they got there in the end. Well, here's a story with Picard's jacket. Okay. Um, Patrick Stewart thought that Picard should stand out visually oh, from the rest of the crew. He wanted Picard to have a special jacket so that when everyone looked at Picard, they would say, he's special. <laughs> Picard, the captain, the character, uh -huh. may be less of an asshole than Kirk, but it seems like the actors that played them mm. had some of the same concerns. Well, everything we read in that ambush book, definitely. Definitely said some shit about uh, old Pat Stu. So as soon as I fucking read that, I wasn't and I found out it wasn't like uh, Gene was in the Navy and he was like <laughs> captains of ships sometimes are informal with their uniforms or whatever. Or like that's his special wardroom jacket or whatever like that. Instead, it was like Patrick Stewart wanted to look different and better than everyone else. Uh huh. I was like, oh, fuck. But an asshole, for sure. Um, best actor, Dathan. Worst actor, Dathan's boy. Unnamed. Um, but I, I wrote here, let's call him Moral. But <laughs> you, we have already come up with a better name for him, Tezago. So <laughs> let me just change that in my notes so that when we turn That's this right. into a book later. That's right. Tezago. There you go. Yeah. Fucking did it. <sighs> we did it. And the numbers are in. What are we looking at? And in third place this week with 27 points. That's not terrible for a loser. The mean is only 19. Yeah. Voyager, nothing human. Um, had a take. That never hurts the, the situation at all. Yeah, right? they did not collect points in the rest of the categories. But yes, they, uh, they managed to get some take points. And this was, they'd had a couple of bad ones in a row. This was the best one since uh, week 98 for them. Yeah, that is true. Although they, again, like I said, they last lost in week 92. So, right. um, In second place with 31 points, TNG Darmok. So uh, critical darling scored worse than the Royale. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's the rubric will do you. 
God, how did the Royale score points? What was the take in that one? What could the uh, take be? Oh, it's a good be? question, and I'm not. I but I think we've actually done this on the air, Probably. so I'm not yeah, going to look it up again. It. But yeah. Uh, anyway, just saying. And the winner this week with uh, 36 points, which is uh, four less than the mean for winners, so not that great. This is a tight week between winners and losers. DS9, the assignment. Ah. That's DS9's 33rd win. Not bad. Keeping keeping in the so race. Yep. Yeah, back to within six of the next generation. Voyager, of course, still stuck down at three. We had the episodes in the same order this week, so we were in agreement. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. We were the farthest apart we were was on the assignment where you were two points. You gave it two points higher than me. Yeah. Now back to the pattern, though, of you giving more points this week for every single. Uh, yeah. Uh, one we and I was talked down uh, a few different times. I talked myself down at least once, too, so don't <laughs> worry about it. Oh, man. Uh, next time we convene to talk about Star Trek, it will be week 102. Mm. Here are the episodes in week 102. Ensign Rowe. That's a big one. That's a Did big one. Did you love Michelle Forbes' one scene in Half a Life about five weeks ago? <laughs> well, I don't ago? know. She came in and tore the entire set down on the way out. She's like, you guys can't even do the show anymore. I'm leaving. <laughs> well, now she gets to be Ensign Rowe. Yeah, I'm into it. Uh, <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see what we have to say about Riker. <laughs> well, I mean, do we ever we've already seen him with regard to Tam Elbrun, <laughs> but let's see what we have to think about him after Ensign Rowe. Uh-huh. Deep Space Nine, Trials and Tribulations. Can't say I'm looking forward to that. Can't say I'm looking forward to hey, that. Matt, do you think it'll score a point? Writing into the Worf's mouth a line that <laughs> damages the show drastically. It's going to be real bad for world building, at least, I have to imagine. God. Uh, Voyager, and this is one you're going to have to describe 30 days. Oh, Listen, I don't know. Like, let's just do an every other. This is how it's going to be. You get to describe the near episodes 30 days. Yep. Latent image and gravity. Do those grip you? No, and I don't remember from the titles what they could possibly be about. Well, does it comfort you to know that I get to describe Counterpoint, Bride of Chaotica, oh, no. and Bliss? I, I mean, it makes me a little bit happier doing Bride of Chaotica. <laughs> I'm a little bit glad about that. <laughs> hey, man, in 30 days, Tom Paris is demoted to Ensign, so. Oh, f- fantastic. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, so next time will be a mailbag. Send us your mails for the bag. That's at Brother Data on the Twitter machine. Um, you can send us some email. Brothers at BrotherDate.com. You can find us at BrotherDate.com. All the episodes and most of the tournaments and brackets and things. Uh, you know, and catch us on all the podcatchers in every country, on every planet, even Tama. Uh, <laughs> assuming that that's where the children of Tama are from. That's what I was assuming. And that Tama's not a person? Oh, yeah, because what if it's like Tamaria? Um, well, I was going to say the name of the planet. Chan- was it Chantil 3? Is that where the all the business Chantil was? 3 is where all those things Even there you could get the podcast. Uh, and that's uh, it. thank you this week to our new listeners from France. Hell yeah. And Cambodia. Au revoir in both cases, I guess. And the Netherlands. Wow. Damn. Got that international yeah. flavor. I feel like we might have already had Cambodia. Janeway would hate that. She hates all the things ethnic. All right, everybody. Uh, as you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do. As you believe, so shall so you shall do. So shall you do. And she 
uh, says, yeah, I don't care. Use 10 holograms of Krelmo set. Who gives a shit? <laughs> you ha- have one treat her and have the other nine kill Tabor's family again in hologram form. I don't care. Please subscribe.